Hopefully we're not going to lose everything. I, I marked that point. No, you're fine. Okay. He writes and, it down on a piece of paper and takes a picture and then sends it to me. It's perfect. In your Babylon 5 talk. That was not Babylon 5. That was Battlestar Galactica. Whatever space thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm can, putting I that at the feel... episode and calling you out. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> like, this guy's not a true nerd. Captain Adama is disappointed in you. Hey, I'm, I'm not mixing up Star Trek and Star Wars. That's like the big one. True. Don't do that. You offend. You'll offend the other half of our audience. It's a trap. What would be the mix-up with Lord of the Rings? Like uh, I'm not mixing up Zelda. Lord of the maybe Rings I'm and, not sure. Oh, I don't know. That's tough. Right. I don't know if there's anything that's. I think there is just to... King Arthur. Situation normal. All... All fouled up. This is Snafu. All right, welcome to another episode of Snafu. Uh, tonight with me is Pat. Hey. Jeff. Howdy. And Dale, the regular crew is all here together. Hey, guys. Yeah. Sorry. No worries. (laughs) So it begins. It's already starting. I may have been at a barbecue before this, so I've probably had more than my fair share of drinks. For those people who aren't local to the United States, how would you describe a proper barbecue? Beer, burgers, brats. All right. Right? I mean, yeah. Maybe some... Outside flags and you know, if you're in the southern rain here all the time, so we can. If you're in the southern dance. United States, there should be some ribs and some pork in there somewhere. But yeah, 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 yeah. We had hot dogs for the little ones and just burgers, pasta Any salads. Guns? Any guns? No guns. guns that I'm aware of. If there were, we're too far well, north for that sort of thing. No, I mean I do have a couple friends that are concealed and carry, so there were guns present, present, okay. but I did not see four, them. Four wheelers. No four wheelers. No, this is in the city still. We did, were not outside of the city. <laughs> A four-wheeler would have been, I mean, there so were lots really of kids in scooters. Barbecue is what you're it was pretty tame. We did uh, have beer floats, though. So we put <laughs> vanilla ice cream in, in a chocolate stout beer. It's pretty good. I don't, I don't think that's a real thing. We'll have to try that. Um, I, I made it a thing. Was this, was this a real, I mean, was this um, a commercial uh, chocolate stout or one of your own made ones? No, it was my own. I, it was my brew. Are you ever going to bring one of those along somewhere so I can have one? Yeah, we have this sure. thing coming up. Maybe we can bring something. I'll, I'll bring. Uh, what, well, you never drink beer anyway, Jeff. I don't drink sh- crappy beer, and it's very hard to find good <laughs> beer. Okay, I will try and make sure that I bring at least one beer type with me this weekend. I'll bring well, the ice cream. Bring something chocolate and stouty. Come on, man. I'll I'll bring a growler of that if I have. I don't. I'm, hopefully, I'll have a growler left of it. I I'm trying to kill it. It depends so. how late we go tonight. Right? I'm actually drinking through a bunch of other stuff that my sister-in-law gave me. So. There you go. Power through. You're a trooper. Yes. Well, it's kind of powering through because my wife, or she works for uh, Miller Coors, so I get free Miller product. And again, for those in the not in the United States, that's like our commercial cheap beer. Yep. They do make thought, a lot of I different products. You guys are the... Anyways. Uh, it's hams. You're thinking of hams. Yeah. 
well, there's a lot of them. There's more than one of them. There's lots of different cheap beers in the United States, shockingly enough. A lot of corn-based beers floating around. All right. I think that's still on a different podcast. He <laughs> just all of a sudden got into a beer. Yeah, you're right. I did kind of get into a beer podcast here. Anyway. All right, so, so there's beer floats at Bug Eater. I'm in. Sure. Let's do it. All right. So I think – do we have any hobby updates? We'll go through it really quick if we do because, I, I mean, I guess the only thing I have going for me is that I actually have painted several guys this week. Oh, let's talk about that then. Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll just start since I'm talking about it already. So I'm painting – I had 10 veterans I needed to paint – and I needed to paint a unit of Brandenburgers. Veteran what? Anything special? Just veteran here. Okay. Yeah, so I I realized that when I was putting my list together for the uh, the list we submitted yesterday. Oh, you know what? That that rattling is actually me. I have a glass next to me, and it's making noise. Um, should I realized that, that I needed... What's that? You should have that checked out. Yeah, and apparently... If you're actually rattling, that's a problem. Well, it's just... Or maybe, you know, don't do the dishes while we're podcasting. Just putting it out there. Yeah. It, it, nothing like having your laptop <laughs> sitting over the sink. I mean, my wife does our dishes, so I don't know what's going on Careful in Careful now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Tread lightly, sir. Careful. Yeah, you, I guarantee the first thing you did when you said that, though, is you looked both ways to make sure your wife wasn't in the room. <laughs> she's, not, she's not here tonight. Yeah, so. exactly. That's why you got away with saying that. Otherwise, you wouldn't have said that. No, so I, I put my list together for Bug Eater, and I realized that I'm like, I was like 16 guys short. I was like, ooh. 16? Like, yeah, I may. Mr. Rick might have found some Math ways. Math is not your strong suit, is it? No, well, no, I didn't Counting intentionally. Is rough. Wow. No, I so put this list together. The list and, and like, then figured out you didn't have the guys. Interesting. Yeah, well, this was a different it's approach. A bold strategy, just... Cotton. Let's see if it works out. <laughs> I decided. <laughs> I decided not to take the Puma, which allows you to like put a lot more stuff in your list. So all of a sudden, I had some room to, you know, and I I still have a a, a fair amount of kit in there. I, this probably won't go live before. Well, hopefully, it'll be right no, before no. Bug Eater. Oh, Everybody's be... list needed to be in yesterday anyway, so it doesn't matter. So, yeah, so I had, like, 10, 10 veterans, a unit of Brandenburgers, a unit of assault engineers, and they have two regular squads. So I have five squads, and then I still have a tank and a bunch of other toys. So I, I, I feel like this is my like a fairly competitive list, actually. You, you remember this was 1,000 points, right, not, not 1250? Oh, it wasn't 1250-ish. Don't tell anyone. No, it's, yeah, it's a 1,000-point list. I just kind of went light on the LMGs to see if that was kind of a trap because I'm starting uh... to feel like they might be. They're not. They're really good, especially German ones. What are you doing, you crazy bastard? I'm bringing, kind of in, I'm bringing an extra 10 guys. Okay, that's 10 extra casualties you get to pull off the table. Congrats. They're still <laughs> veterans. I, I don't know. We'll see if it works. I, it's, it's kind of a – kind of I, I didn't say I'm not bringing any LMGs. I'm just not bringing every single wow. LMG I could. I mean, Jeff and I probably don't know what we're, ta- what we're talking about. We're only, like, the best generals ever. So. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's finish our hobby up, and, and then and we can talk humble. about that. Yeah, hold yeah, on, hold on, hold humble, on. Hold that on. very humble start to this whole conversation. Hold on there a second, Rick. You said you had 16 guys, so you have them painted already, or are you going to try and paint 16 guys in the next five days? I, I need to base them at this point, and they are ready to roll. Okay. Oh, that's yeah, good so, then. So yeah, I got them all painted in the last two days, essentially. I got them all, my standard, you know, base highlighting and stuff, and then I got them shaded and everything. So now they're just, they're they're good enough to call done if I wanted to, as long as I get some grass so on So they're already bases. better than anything I would put on the tables, which tell me. 
That's entirely false, sir. You you paint just fine. You do, Pat, but I think Rick is actually probably turning into one of our better painters. So Agreed. I just found a technique I can add to. Thanks, guys. Wow. Well, everyone will look at my stuff now and be like, eh, what, what are you guys talking about? Well, no, anyway. They, they question great. our ability to critique, too, so I mean, <laughs> we're sticking our neck out of the line by saying your stuff looks well, good. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. So, Pat, do you got anything that you worked on this week? Paratroopers? Uh, actually, those were done last week. So, And you lost of... all your Kirkus, right? I paid your wife like 50 bucks. Uh, well, actually, I was going to tell you, I started working on 10 bases for the Gurkhas. I'm going to start Damn doing it. a 10-man squad. So those well, you have just the bases. That doesn't, that doesn't yeah, matter. Just, you don't have the models. I, I do have the models, but I haven't started doing any work on them. So I started doing the basing. Um, I got some terrain done for the Pegasus Bridge board, which would be one of our objective boards in our tournament coming up this fall. That's still six months away, so making progress there. I posted a picture up on the... Snafu website if anyone wants to check it out. Pretty cool kit that I got from R Green five oh two on eBay. Pretty good Rosencast. Right. He's got some stuff. Was that just his name or is that's that his just store? his name. That's uh, let me see if he's actually got a store that he actually has in here. Nope. R Green five oh two. Very specific. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, you're gonna love this. He's they've actually got like replica hand grenades and stuff too. Are they bottle openers? Uh I don't know. Yeah. That's so, just that's just one more reason for me to get shot, like somewhere I shouldn't be. Right. But anyway, no, I thought they really cool kit. Uh, put them together. Hopefully, I've done them some justice, and that's what I've been working on. Right on, uh, Jeff. How about you? Have you been working on anything? Yeah, I had to go through and spruce up my vehicles and my stuff after I got <clears throat> commented that my stuff looked really plain. So I've been weathering and putting decals on my trucks and my tanks and stuff. Wait, who so. said that? Yeah, who told you that? Kurt. <laughs> oh, well, geez. Kurt will give it to you straight, so. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you won't lie. Yep. So I've been weathering stuff. I overweathered one of my things, but whatever. Someday I'm going to figure out how to make a truck look like it's been driving through the mud for a week, and it won't look like I just, oh, I better not use, uh, just leave sprayed, it outside for about a week. Sprayed. Yeah, yeah, right, that'd do it. Right, just actually take it outside and run it, like play with it like a Hot Wheel through mud puddles. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then just varnish it real quick afterwards. Pretty much. I mean, right now it looks like it. I took my like mud kit out and bukkakeed my model. So, well, there's that word. Okay. It's Japanese. Come on. Mean surprise <laughs> wetness. Come on now. Get your heads out of the gutter. Jesus. Oh. I'm a little nervous about the episode now because I'm going to find out so much more about the Japanese culture that I didn't know because well, of Jeff. Well, surely. what Jeff knows about it anyway. He's just going to know about the weird Wait. shit that nobody else needs to know will, about. I will make no guarantee of accuracy. I'm just going to say that right now. Okay. Can we just start with the disclaimer of our pronunciations are going to be wrong? We just start with that, get that up front. How about our pronunciations are very localized to where we live? Sure. Right. Minnesota. There you go. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We try not to offend on purpose. We we do kind of... Don't great to do it accidentally. Hey, Hey, if we offend you and you listen to this and ever meet us, Rick will buy you a beer. I promise. What? <laughs> no, that's not how this works. Whoever whoever offended you, you can kick them in the shins. Well, which of the four of us is, is mostly concerned about uh, perception of the podcast? It's got to be Rick, right? I I uh, probably care the most probably. about yep. the perception, but that sounds like you're buying the beer, then, buddy. Yeah. 
fine. All right. Or we can have one of those episodes where you apologize for 30 minutes. I mean, that's okay, too. Those It'll are good, the, too. We need to have those, like, one every five, I think. It'll be the apology tour? Yes. Sure. All right. We'll, we'll make it happen if we have to. All right. It's kind of like when we show up to a tournament. It's essentially the apology tour. Right. I'll just bring yep. a keg. Sorry for anything we may have done before. Oh, my God. This is sounding better and better. My goal of this whole thing is to get someone to buy me a beer. If that's you, Rick, I'm okay with that. I'll buy you a beer. I'd buy you a beer now. I don't know why that's your goal. Well, I rely on you to show me what the good beer is because I don't know any of that stuff because I'm just still learning how how that stuff works. Gotcha. The the beer floats will be a good start. (laughs) It's really not a good start. That's kind of the end of the night kind of thing. Anyway, all right, so Dale, you working on anything? Um, I just actually cleaned off my hobby desk and hobby area completely so I can kind of start fresh on these projects. I've got to finish this um, display board um, before Bug Eater, otherwise there you I go. will have failed. So, But we've got all day tomorrow, or I have all day tomorrow. We're, we might go to the running of the Bulldogs down at Canterbury, and then Wait, I think what? that might be it. So, um, Canterbury's opened up. They're doing the running of the Bulldogs tomorrow. Like so. actual Bulldogs? Yes. And yes, do they actually, chase you like actually, the running of the bulls? No, no, it's there's bulldog races. So. Oh my god, I might be there too then. <laughs> so that sounds um, amazing. So I have some time in the morning, anyways, to kind of to kind of get that first layer down, and I'm gonna have to get a big fat dry brush, I think, to kind of cover it efficiently. But we'll see how it goes. So yeah, there's nothing worse than having to dry brush your entire display board with a tiny ass little brush. Yeah, so I'll probably be hitting up Michael's locally or something like that. Cool. When when is the running of the Bulldogs? I think it starts at noon. Goes from noon to four or one to four. So yeah, that sounds awesome. I I totally want to go to that now. We don't have anything going on. I'll text you if we go. All right. Let me know. Cool. All right. So twelve forty five. Twelve forty five. Twelve forty five. So just after lunch. It's nap yep. time for my daughter. It's the fourth annual running of the Bulldogs. We do the wiener dog races there, which is pretty fun. Yeah, I've never, I've never, I've never been. I've, I kind of see those, and or they do corgis too as well. But anyways, forty-eight dogs, five races. So <laughs> that's awesome. All right, <laughs> well, I'll text you if we go. All right. So you guys did something super cool last weekend. I saw some pictures. I was super jealous. I was very envious of the fact that you guys got to do this while I was chasing my two-year-old daughter around a water park in the middle of Wisconsin. You guys got to do the. The game day event. I don't know what, what was it actually called. Armed Forces Recognition. Yeah. So another local player named James put it. Or James. Jacob. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Jacob. I know your name. Um, put together an event, and yeah, what did you guys? What did you guys think of it? I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was it was great. The tables actually, I think that and and we've they had the blitz freeze they had the blitz freeze um, event in January, and the tables were amazing. I thought the tables were actually better this time around. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I the bar the pictures, is so high now; yeah. it's unbelievable. Well, I mean, yeah, he he works an awful awful lot on those tables. His tables are beautiful. He, I will give him credit for that by a long shot. They're like the best looking tables I've ever seen. Yeah, they weren't just Jacobs either. I think I think Stents, John Stents provided at least one, maybe more than that. So I think he was a couple. Yeah. I think he had. I think it was three or four that he had that were his. So the one desert board that Jeff played on first, that was his. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that I played on the second game, that little town square. I think those two right in that side, those are both his. So I think he had at least three, maybe four of them that were his there. Good stuff. Yeah, it was. Yeah. 
Yeah, awesome. absolutely. The bar is very high. So. Yeah. So why don't we go through what what the event kind of was? Because I don't think a lot of people are familiar with it. It was a, it was a smaller event, right? Yeah, it was uh, capped at twelve players, which I think it filled up about five minutes after it opened. Yeah, um, and I was on that list. Sadly, you, you were there. That's for sure. Um, and so it stayed at. I think you were the only drop that from the initial twelve people that signed up. Sorry, man. Well, I heard there was a ringer. There was a there was a late one as well, actually. Was yeah, there? Cause there was there, late yeah. I, okay, I I apparently didn't have to play him then because I didn't notice any of that. But it was it was set up Axis versus Allies, and it, he had everything. He knew what table you were going to play all three of your games on the entire for the whole day, which is I guess kind of cool. Maybe something to put in the back of our minds at some point at a later date. So I think for that probably helped him from an organization organization standpoint. And it was you know big shock the Allies totally into the Axis's house. That was a good time. Well, it wasn't... I can say I saw that coming. It was I almost 2-1. to one. I thought, it, you know... What was I it 73-42 was the final? Hold on, let me ask. I'm going to have to go in and look at this. We, we played a crush, I'm sorry. The way, the way I, I would describe it is... It would have been, been 84-13 to 13 then. <laughs> the Allies... <laughs> the Allies edged the Axis in the final standings. Is that, like, is that a new term? Edged. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's being very, very kind. Well, here, let me bring up the results so that... We, we nearly be, doubled them up. We can be accurate. Okay, Mr. Allies, don't don't get your... Uh... Hey, it was Jeff. Uh, I, I won a game, so I, I did a, I did the win, tie, win, draw, lose scenario. Hey, way so. to go. All right. Uh, well, I say they edged us, but it was pretty significant well, just compare the points between the uh, the top ally player and the top access player, if you guys can remember who that was. Yeah, who are those people? Well, let's not get there. That's that's too fast. Hang on. Um, <laughs> yeah, you guys got to some gaming foreplay here. What? Come on, man. <laughs> Buy you dinner what first was, or something. <laughs> what was the Buy result everyone a beer. end? Like 72 to, or 78 to being, 42? I remember something being like low that. 40s to something in the 70s. It was okay. 70s to 40s. It was nearly a double up, yes. Yeah, so enough where a couple people on the Axis side would have had to have won three games to basically make it up. So, it, not insignificant. Yeah, yeah the Allies Whatever. Got so, but They pulled it out. We had some strong players. Yeah. Wow, wow. yeah, as it goes. So, But from my understanding, like correct me if I'm wrong, every table was unique and it had its own scenario, correct? So, like, correct. basically, everyone was playing... On a table, and then instead of like a Swiss pairing, you just move down a table essentially, right? Like, or you move to a different table. Yeah, you just move to a different table. I don't know if there were any pairings beyond the first round as far as like performance went, but um, based on the score, I don't know that that mattered. But yeah, each table had their own own unique scenario, and um, you, you, you played it out. So, right on. It worked. It, it totally worked, actually, I guess. I mean, I don't know in regards to overall standings and things like that if things were, you know, my concern, quote-unquote, my concerns initially, you know, a long time ago was, you know, can you get an accurate overall based off of ability and previous results and stuff like that? But this, this um, you know, the Armed Forces recognition wasn't about that at all. It was about just coming together and having a, a great time, and we did. It was fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, it looked like a rad group of guys, like, it looked like fun. Yeah, 
I thought every, all all the players were super cool and um, awesome. We got to see some some sweet armies. The terrain was freaking amazing, and um, everybody I played was great. So yeah, it was yeah, it was fantastic. So did you guys go out to dinner afterwards? We did. Where'd you guys so, go? Where did we go, Pat? Uh, we went to Ruby Tuesdays. Yeah, we got to go to Ruby uh, Tuesdays. So okay, just no local right in the area. Too. Yeah, it was nice and easy, quick quick cool. jet over. So nice. Did a bunch of other guys join you or? Uh, no, it was just the uh, auto breaker. So us three, and okay. then Eric joined us. So okay, cool. Yeah. And for those unaware, auto break is the our official club title for all of all of the guys that are uh, that we play are, in our club. Together. Yeah. yeah, we play gaming together on Thursday nights. Right, that's the larger club that we're a part of and have been for like fifteen or twenty years. And then the little snafu thing is just part of. It's just us, the four of us. So correct. But we like to associate with the rest of our clubmates. We're not that. Snob nosed. Yeah. So, but I really feel like the event it went off, it went off without a hitch as far as I'm concerned. Great place there at Fantasy Flight. The tables were unbelievable. The I think now Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, but the scenarios are pretty, pretty standard. I mean, they pulled some from Bolt Action Alliance, but I thought the tables, the ones I played on, it fits, and all my games were were fantastic. So. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. Everything was pretty standard, pretty even, and, yeah, the, the scenarios fit the table very well. Pat, did you find the same thing in, in the tables that you played on? Uh, with the scenarios being based on the table, I thought that was very cool. So you could actually, someone else played on the same table in a different, you know, in, say, in round three that I played in round one, and you could actually stop over and, and actually know what was going on because you played the same scenario in there. I thought that was a cool element. And they were set up very well for the, the terrain was set up for the scenario which made it easy. Mm-hmm. Well, not didn't make the scenario easy, but it made it easier for it to actually be played out that way. Right. 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 And that was kind of something I, I, I don't know if I initially discounted it, but I didn't really understand that kind of way of doing the event. But, yeah, it's, yeah, big thumbs up. Yeah, and he kept everyone from having to play on the same table twice, which, you know, that's the only downfall in that kind of stuff is if you have a scenario set to the table and someone ends up on the same table twice, then they're playing the same scenario and the same table twice. I guess hopefully they're better at it, but you never know. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, it was only 750, um, but I finished each of my games with more than enough time left over. So, which doesn't happen very often in these kinds of events for me. Usually it's right down to the wire or there's a turn left or something like that. Yeah, I agree. We I finished all my games with plenty of time to spare, so that was really nice. We even started rounds early than we initially scheduled, so moved right along. Um, I think two and a half hours, which is that's what he gave us. It wasn't a two hour limit, right? But I we were done hour and a half, two hours at the most. Yep. Nice. Other than the nice. one game, which which you know the sometimes you get those opponents that are talkers, and that's cool too. And you, we still had plenty of time to finish up the game. We weren't stressing for it, and you know, hey, we got to got to shoot the breeze with someone I hadn't really met before, so that was kind of cool too. Yeah, yeah, it, was, it, it really was. That's that's the other aspect of it, where you get to sit and talk and and meet the folks that are, you know, have been into the community maybe longer than we have as far as bolt action goes. So I got to meet a lot of the guys and and hang out. And I was trying to I was trying to talk to the Axis players. You know, how's it going? How are we doing? After the first round, though, it just it didn't look good, and it only, it only got worse. Twenty-four to eight after the first round. Oh Ouch. my goodness! And how many points did? So, so why don't we go through your rounds? Like, who did you? Who did? Uh, Pat, who did you play first round? 
I uh, played some Italians on a very cool desert board. Um, uh, it was a fairly one-sided game, and uh, it, he had a chance, a very remote chance to pull out a draw at the end, but he wasn't able to. We had this, it was a three objective, so you have quarters, and you have the one objective in your quarter, and then one like the middle of the board, and the one on the opponent's opposite side of the quarter. And so the object is to obviously control all of them, but the only ones you get points for are the ones that aren't in your objective. So... Cool scenario. Uh, you mean I, not in your deployment zone? Yes. That's what I meant to say if I didn't actually say that. Thoughts are it's running okay. faster than the mouth is catching up. Sure. Anyway, yeah, it was fun. Second game was uh, very crowded. It was one of those uh, surrounded scenarios where the, the where the defender starts out in the, in the middle of the board. I did finally get to use that British special rule, the preparatory bombardment, where I got to roll the two dice and pick the result. Uh, I can safely say preparatory bombardment is not that significant of an advantage. <laughs> After having got a two out of my three games, it really didn't hardly factor in at all. But I got to use well, it. Well, what'd you roll? I mean, if you rolled a one and the other one wasn't a one, that would be pretty significant. It was, so it was putting a pin... Basically, the bombardment puts a pin or two on everything that's on the board. Uh, uh, and on a six... A deal. On a six... So, so really, this is really funny. So game two, I'm playing against Finland, which is uh, our clubmate Eric... And so I got the bombardment off, and on his mortar team, which is like a small mortar team of two, I kill one guy, so the other guy gets bumped up to veteran and sticks. And then I kill his, then I, <laughs> I drop a six on a sniper, kill the spotter, and the remaining sniper gets bump, bumped up to veteran. He's like, well, I guess that works pretty good. I'm like, sure. Well, that's, a, that's a Finnish special rule, isn't it? It is. Okay. Yeah, when they get we'll done. We'll get to that book. We'll get done. We'll get to that book. But basically, yeah, when yeah. they get to half, they can they go up. Their morale goes up. Man, makes those guys <laughs> tough to get off the board. Thanks. <clears throat> yep. So fought him to a very solid dead even draw in the second game. And the third game, I don't even know what in the world I was doing. I couldn't deploy anything correctly. My outflankers were nowhere near the combat, and I got I got zeroed in with a with a medium howitzer on my paratroopers. Turn one. Hit the six, and I'm just like, oh, this is not going to be a good game. And it wasn't. A it mortar? Was, uh, it was a how it, medium howitzer. You zero in a, mortar, a howitzer? You can fire them indirect, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, firing indirectly, that would do it. Oh, Why would I you ever fire a howitzer indirectly, though? Yeah, when you have it cowering behind a building so it can't be shot at, Boom. I guess. All right. And you use your spotter to... I thought it was a cool tactic. It was cool enough that I kind of copied it for my bug eater list, so... Okay. <laughs> hey, if... Apparently it worked out, so maybe I if I do that, I yeah, can get I can get lucky in turn one too. So that was just devastating, and yeah. Other than that, uh, great guys for the most part. There's just one small tournament pet peeve of mine. I mean, rules debates come up from time to time. You're supposed to discuss them with your opponent. If you can't come to a conclusion, grab the TO, but don't ask another player at the tournament. That's that's poor form. Like playing at another table. Yeah. Yeah, that's just it, you don't need to distract another table. That's kind of a you're right. That is kind of right. a pet peeve. That's what the TO's there for. So if you can't work it out between the two of you, that's what the TO's for. Right. Spend spend three minutes looking through your book and the FAQ. If you can't find it, then just ask the TO. Yep. Yep. But fun tournament. Enjoyed it thoroughly. Would love to do it again, Jacob. Hope you plan on putting another one over the summer because otherwise, we got a long gap after Bug Eater to get to a tournament. Right. And plan it, and then my wife will plan something over it, so I won't be able to attend. Maybe if you just talk to your wife directly, so... Yeah, actually, yeah, 
Jacob, you want to talk to my wife and coordinate something so I can attend? That would be great. <laughs> Please just uh, figure it out for me. That would be wonderful. Thanks. Well, maybe we can just coordinate with your wife prior during the planning stages so that we know what she has planned and we'll be able to find something that's going to that, work. That would be awesome. If that you did tell her about Renegade, right? Yes. Okay. She's aware of Renegade. She's aware she of knows Renegade. it's the week before Thanksgiving. Yeah, she's Absolutely. aware of when it is. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've fully explained it to her. She, she's I want to remind her every month or so. Just yeah, it I, it's on the calendar already. Thankfully, this one's on the calendar. <laughs> I, right. Hopefully, she knows I'm leaving on Friday to go to Bug Eater. But yeah, I'd hate to show up and then you disappear. And <laughs> we have to deal with you know missing persons. That would not good. That would that would be well. We'll see. Yeah. So so Dale, tell me about who who did you play? Um, I played. Um, I opened up against um, John Stentz. Ooh, tough um, tough opening. No man's land scenario. And um, I pulled out a draw there. And I didn't really pull it out. It just kind of happened that way. John's a great player, and he played. He played exactly like he should have. I think he was just unlucky in the end. Uh, with the no man's land, as I'm sure as everybody's aware, you got um, you get uh, a victory point for each uh, unit that you eliminate or order dice that you eliminate. And in the end, it was three to two. He had three. I had two. And he was so close to getting that extra one. And on the end of at the end of the game, or rather after turn six, you roll the dice. On a four-up, you get the turn seven. And I kind of gambled, hoping he wouldn't get a turn seven one way or the other. And when we rolled, or I rolled, on, I, I got a four-up or whatever it was, and we didn't get that turn seven. If we had, it was almost certain he would have picked up that extra dice for the win. So I kind of scraped through there. A couple of rules queries that we had. One thing that um, I didn't understand. Um, so he was playing Brits, and he brought in his artillery observer. And he, you know, expertly placed a token on what was going to come in. And next turn he rolls it up and it comes in, which is something I don't get to see because Pat's terrible at this. For, for the <laughs> record, all three of my games, my artillery strikes deviated. And once in the last game, it even took out three of my own units. Just, right. just, just saying. <laughs> so, so it, yeah, it, it John, comes you're going to have to show me how that actually works because I apparently <laughs> have no idea. Need a different it, dice. Yeah, it it came in, and I'm like, okay, so so I'm getting templated on each one of these units in D6 plus 6 inches. So I just went down out of instinct um, on all three of my units. But the template only gets placed when you roll a 6 on the designated unit. But I think it worked out because uh, my one unit of veterans, he did roll a 6 on, which I had gone down with. And they ended up surviving the battle probably because I you know, luckily went down on all those units, although it did delay the rest of them. And, and then the other that, thing was, go ahead, Pat. That, that is the correct time. You went down. Once you, once the unit is determined to be in range from the artillery strike, that's when you have to determine if you're going down. Right. So before he rolls that D six to see what happens that, so you went down at the absolute correct time there. Yeah, we got that right. John knows his stuff. So, I mean, I trust him when he comes out with, this is how it goes. So, and then the other thing was I was trying to, kind of push back into the game in the later turns and I was flanking, coming around his flank and um, there's a lot of um, um, rough ground on this particular board, lots of fields and so I had positioned myself to potentially charge one of his cover units that he had on the side with his artillery and um, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to bonsai charge here and um, with the rough ground I would not be able to reach it but he had one guy in the unit right on the edge, and if I draw a straight line to my unit and that guy, I've got enough range. But when you 
when you assault, it's from your target to the closest enemy target in the unit, or enemy unit, or any model in the unit, which would have taken me through the rough ground, and I did not have the range there, so it ended up being a failed assault. So it's an important little bit there, and it was it was it was a good play on John's part to position his guys in such a way that the closest unit would have forced me to charge through the rough ground, giving him that extra turn to to shoot. But good game overall. Um, really well played, and I and I learned a lot. So, but came out with a draw. Luckily, actually, I came out with a draw there. Um, second, um, second game was against Hagen, Eric Hagen and his um, his Americans. Um, this was a he had the Marines still. Yeah, he was playing the Marines. It was the same uh, scenario that uh, that Pat played in the first round with the three objectives. And so um, he had the side of the board with the great big crashed airplane, and so he set up a good defensive perimeter around his objective in the hard cover, and so I was going to have to have to charge through the rough ground and that big, huge crashed airplane to kind of get control of that far objective for two points. My objective, of course, doesn't, doesn't count for any points, and the middle objective was one. And so I kind of swept through, or I was trying to push through as hard as I could, and then I was able to eliminate his... Um, his his attacking force coming from my objective. He did make one critical error though. Um, on his he made a play to the middle objective and he was able to wipe out one of my units. And when he consolidated after winning the assault, he consolidated forward onto the objective, which left him in assault range of one of my full units. And so then that actually allowed me to assault into him and then catapult forward which secured the middle objective for me, and I ended up winning that one. My last one, my last game was against Steven. He was the ringer, not the ringer. <clears throat> he was the last-minute sub-in for the, the guy who canceled kind of at the end. And um, he was also playing Brits, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Brits. And this one was Heartbreak Ridge. No, this was Scalps, which is one that I hadn't played before. I think it's a bolt-action alliance um, objective. It was really interesting. So you kill a unit. And then you take their order dice, and that's kind of a trophy. And, the, uh, and you know, you get a victory point for every trophy you have at the end of the game. But if that unit dies with the trophy, then you lose that trophy. So it's kind of one of those things that, that Jeff likes and I struggle with because I sacrifice units to win. But if I'm sacrificing my units with trophies, then I, lo- I lose those points. So kind of a, a goofy little thing. But this was a very interesting game for me because usually I'm the one who's running across the board as fast as I can because I don't know what else to do. But he had a Brit army, and his national characteristic was blood-curdling charge. Is that right, Pat, how that works? So he's trying to run to me. Blood-curdling scream, I think it is. And so he's trying to run towards me, which means that I can set up and cover and shoot him as he comes in and then counter-assault or just outright assault, depending upon what happens. So I was able to whittle him down pretty significantly before he got across the board and, and got um, and picked up a win there as well. So overall, really, really, really um, good time. So got to play Hagen finally. After all these years, it was the first time I got to play Eric, so that actually was, was a lot of fun. I hadn't played Steven before, so he told me he was actually the guy who started the Twin Cities Bolt Action Group all those years ago just as a way to kind of find games. So it's like over 100 members now, so... Good on Stephen for that. Good time, really, really good time. Yeah, that was that's very thoughtful of him, or forward thinking of him. Yeah, cool. How about you, Jeff? What game? What were your games like? What did you play? <laughs> um, so my first game was against a clubmate, Eric, uh, on the scalps table, and Eric was running his fins, which 
as we've already learned a little bit in here, in, almost impossible to actually kill a unit off the table because I would routinely kill half a unit or three quarters of a unit, which would make them veterans, and then they'd make their check, and it's bloody hard to get rid of them. Uh, so we were doing scalps, uh, and he took an early shot at getting my armored car by driving his armored car on top of a hill out in the open, and I wreckied back behind a cliff face, and he still made the shot on a six to hit me, uh, but failed to kill my armored car, which was a huge bonus to me. Uh, and then my artillery, which I had brought along, promptly put around through his armored car and got the first token. Uh, and then, what, turn three or four, he brought the guys that can flank off my table edge, on my table edge, immediately behind my artillery piece, which so was like a good... ski squad or something? Yeah, yeah. So they came out of my table edge. really, really good. You're telling me, man. Yeah. So they pop out on my table edge right next to my artillery piece, which has two tokens at this point. And I'm like, great, I'm going to lose my scalp tokens here, and we're going to go back to a pretty even game. Uh, he sprays machine, submachine gun fire at me. I go down. One guy survives, makes his check. <laughs> All right. I spin the artillery piece around, taking the negatives. My, you know, minus one for, move, for the advance move to turn it, and minus one for being down to one crewman. And, of course, missed the point-blank shot. And I'm thinking, well, that was my chance, but, you know, so it goes. Next turn, he foobars with those guys. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, nowhere to run, you know, nowhere to run. So they basically just sit tight. I mean, they, run, they flee from the closest unit. And they're yeah, they already just run 12 inches away if they can, right? Literally, their back of their bases are on the table edge. So they there's nowhere they can go. go. Okay, yeah, because you bounce off the table edge, right? Yep. Okay. I did, my artillery did not miss its second shot. Couldn't you run down along the edge, though? Uh, we were in a corner, so no. <laughs> it depends on how, yeah. The he was, he was really and truly pinned in the corner. Okay. Yes, he was completely hemmed in. And the artillery wiped him off the table. So that was kind of <laughs> awesome. That sucks. That sucks for him. I it mean, sucks for him, but it was pretty hilarious for me. I mean, I'm going to be So honest. then they pick up their third trophy, and then you're well on your way. You yeah. got it. Then after that, I just moved a unit out there to run cover for him, that artillery piece. He didn't have to do a thing the rest of the game. He just needed to sit on those tokens and stay alive. Yeah, a little speed bump. I like it. So that was a real fun game, though. Eric's a super nice guy. His fins, he was painting the heck out of him right up to the day before, and they looked pretty good, I thought. So Yeah, the classic night before, I think he yeah, was putting in time. Like so 12.30 at night, he was still painting stuff. <laughs> right? Like We've all been there. I know, <laughs> right. We have. I mean, at, at least I've never taken mine to the tournament and painted them there the, the night before. I know yeah. we've had a couple do that to a couple trips to Wapaka. They're painting in the room the night before. Oh yeah, yeah. you had people gluing together models the morning of at <laughs> a merry mayhem. Oh my he God. fell asleep. He fell asleep while he was gluing the crap together because he'd been spending the whole night doing it. I remember it was, that. I walked oh, in. I'm like, I'm like, Dan, you ready to go? And he's like, out. And they're they're models. Metal models on his chest, and he's, he's, his arms are completely off the bed. He just was wiped out. Oh, uh, poor guy. That, that was pretty nice. damn funny, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was, that was ridiculous. But, uh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. So I got a big victory on that one and knocked down two of the bonus objectives. There were bonus objectives you could accomplish. There was like a list of six or eight maybe, and you could accomplish them once during the entire tournament and earn a point for it. So I – Picked two that I thought were going to be the hardest ones to get, which was like not destroy 75% of your opponent's army and something else. I forget, destroying an armored vehicle, I think. 
So I full pointed that one, which was pretty awesome. Uh, second game, I played uh, the Italians. Uh, I think it's Jason Myers, I think, is his Italian army, which... Yep, same is, opponent I played yeah, in the yeah. first round. I think there's gorgeous, only one Italian player there. Only 12 Gorgeous players. army. If I, could, if I could buy somebody's army and just play it, it would be his, because I really like how he painted his Italians up. Just gorgeous. Was it, uh, was it Italian partisans? No, no. These were, these were Italians in their... Desert. Uh, Desert uniforms. Okay, yeah. Okay. His, his cool. board is his display board is pretty cool too. Yeah, that that whole thing was like magnetized, which is nice. Yeah, it's pretty slick. Sweet. Yeah, it looked really good. I'll have to look up pictures. Um, and for the life of me, I'm forgetting what that scenario was that we played on. It's the one with the trench out in the center, but I can't for the life of me think of what that scenario was. Huh? No, that's like a trench good. in the middle of the board. Yeah, there was one in the middle of the board. Um, must have been a bolt action. Oh alliance no no, one. it was a bolt action alliance one. It was like double envelopment, but you wanted to get guys into your opponent's deployment zone, but not off as a board edge, and you got okay. points for killing the other guys. Cool. So Sounds I forget the name of it, but double envelopment. It's very similar, but you can't actually move off the opponent's edge. Gotcha. And Only the deployment zone's points. six inches, so you really got to get to the Oosh. edge yeah, with that's some dudes. So cool. we had a real slobber knocker there i was a knockdown drag out fight that i didn't know which way it was going to go to the last turn so but uh as a reason for interacting with your howitzer my medium was hiding in a corner and my observer was watching and he uh pulled out a tankette that's got a light anti-tank gun on it and it was causing havoc on my right side where my spotter was and so my medium artillery indirectly fired needing a six and dropped it right in top right into the open top of that thing and just shattered it which was beautiful First shot. It's one of the best feelings, I think, in bolt action is one of those indirect fires when you need the six and it comes out. It's it's just makes me happy. Yeah. That was my that was my uh, saving moment on my game three is I actually had a, a mortar drop on top of his whatever his vehicle was and destroy it. Rolled a six, rolled a five, and rolled a four. And like, okay, that just made the game totally worthwhile. Yep. <laughs> yep. And uh, he tried to advance his armored car in auto blinda. Tried to advance an armored car on the other side to get my artillery piece, uh, and it didn't penetrate, but it put a bunch of pins on him uh, through a couple turns of shooting, which effectively neutralized the auto blinda, and he missed the one rally check he took. So I was pretty happy. That allowed me to sneak a unit past his left side and get into his deployment zone on the last turn. So if his auto blinda had made the order, he would have machine gunned those guys down, and it would have been a lot closer of a game, points-wise. If it had been an attrition game, I, it would have been an awful near-run thing, I think. So, great player, great army, and that was a lot of fun. And then third game was, uh, that was the double envelopment game. Uh, I think it was Drew and another Finnish player. So, my second run of, I, I basically subjugated Finland at this tournament, I think. I don't know. <laughs> but lots of veterans, lots of specialist dudes. Uh, but that was double envelopment, and I had two truck units, two units of guys in trucks. And so I waited till most of his stuff had fired that first turn, ran them up the left side of the board where there was a gap, one behind the other. And the first one got some pins put on it by an anti-tank rifle and some ski troops. Uh, but he made the order. I advanced them one more time. The guys, I just left the guys in the truck. Machine, tried to machine gun down some veterans and couldn't seem to kill anybody. And then they got the order dice first the next turn and the third, and I was like, I could unload these guys and try and shoot these guys some more, but it's double envelopment, so I just drove a truck with guys in it off the board. And it's six points. It's great. And then the next truck, right right off the board again. (laughs) So 
by turn to turn two, I was up nine points, which is pretty awesome. And then it was just defense and trying to let his guys off the board. So I held out and got that game too. So it was a triple win for me, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, very well done. So, Jeff, you, and you, you, were you just said you won three three games. So did you win any awards? I did, in fact, because I got uh, two bonus objectives in the first and a bonus objective in the, in the second and third. I ended up with uh, best allied general. So, and congratulations, well done. That was that, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you had a good week or a good weekend. Yeah, I was pretty happy with my with the performance of my guys in the army list I brought. So, I distinctly remember you saying that you're done with this fluffy bunny garbage. And... Yes. <laughs> You're actually going to try to bring a list that is competitive from now on. And I did. And, and it worked. So it apparently worked just well fine. Yeah, it's all right. And, you know, the thing is, is it's, it's just, I mean, it's early war French. So there's only, you can't really make a brutal list with early war French. You just can't. You know, uh, right. I had all regular dudes. I didn't have any veterans in the whole army. So no inexperienced either. So, yeah. How many order dice did you have at 750 points? Uh, eight. Eight order okay. dice. All right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. fine. So, yeah. so, Dale, your record was two, two wins, one draw? It was, and I picked up four bonus objectives over the course of the tournament four as well. Four bonus so. objectives. So did you win anything? Yeah, I got the um, – I came – I scraped by with the best access general. Scraped by. Yeah. I think you, I think you scored – quite a few of the points for your overall team i was yeah i mean you know, your back had to be struggled by the end of the bit, day but <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily wow. say i carried the team i don't think that was the case but um, <laughs> how, wait, 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 you got almost a quarter of the points i don't know i'm what sorry how many points how many well we're going to do the math for everyone else at home how many points did you score um two for the draw five for each win so, and then four points for bonus objectives. So that puts me at 16. 16? Yeah. 16 points. Mm-hmm. How many, and how many points did the overall team score? 42. 42 43. 42. Yeah. So like a third? So. You scored like a third out of your uh, six teammates? Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know but what to say. I, the I, heavy lifting, the heavy lifting Dale really did was fighting John Stentz down to a draw that first game, so that I didn't really, have to arm wrestle really with him for first place. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah I was really hopeful, was... actually, pulling a draw out of John. I was hoping that the rest of the team would, like, score some wins, but it just it, it didn't happen that way. So Yeah, unfortunately, the fact that nobody scored any points that first round when Stentz – those unfamiliar who, with who John Stentz is, he's very, he plays a lot of bolt action. He's a very good general in almost every game he plays. John John's a dear yeah, friend really of ours, and but he is a very good general, and he doesn't he doesn't mess around when it comes to gaming. Like Iceman, well, he just doesn't make mistakes. He does. He really doesn't, and he capitalizes when you when you get him. So that do. being said, pulling a draw is incredibly good. Huge. And well, I you mean, really it, did need your your teammates to capitalize on it. Unfortunately, they did. Yeah. I mean, it was it was he he had me very much against the ropes. If it had been right. almost any other scenario, it wouldn't have been close. In the end, you know, I have a couple units on one or two guys left. I'm able to, you know, keep them alive or down or away to get those points or secure those points. And 
Yeah. It's interesting. I always, every time I've played John in the past, and this is maybe the second or third time, definitely at least the second, I played him to a draw in Wapaka one, one time a couple of years ago where we were both on, on big wins. And it's just like, I can only ever draw against, against Stent. So that's all right. We'll get each other at some point, I suppose. I'm, I'm sure our paths will cross again maybe very soon since he will be down in Omaha with us. Oh, that's right. He's going to go down to uh, go down yep. to Bug Eater. He'll be, but... he'll be a Bug Eater as well. So, so... I, I remember at the end, um, Jacob announces the final, the final kind of totals. And I'm just kind of, you know, just Axis. We just didn't do so well. And, and Stentz is like, yay, history. <laughs> 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 so we... Um, we were uh, we were role playing the whole time as Axis, I guess I will say. <laughs> there you go. You were overextending and not not filling your supply lines. Yeah, we got wrecked pretty hard. So, <laughs> yeah. right, well. way to, way to keep it real. Yeah, way to role play. That's great. Yeah. Well, we're, so, we were the fluffy bunnies, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, hell, that's that's pretty impressive. That multiple awards were won. Pat, we'll we'll have to we'll have to try and figure out which awards we win next time. You you were still on the winning side, so you got that going for you. Well, hey, you know he he did pass out you know trinkets for everybody, which is very cool of him. So we got the we got the the awards were like a nice template set. So it's got the four inch, three inch, two inch, one inch, nice all in one template, and it's got the arm service day, whatever. The only difference between mine and those other two guys is mine doesn't say anything about being the best of anything. So. Maybe I can maybe I can uh, write my own title in there. Or something. I was gonna say I have That's... a sharpie. You can write whatever you want on yours if you want. Did you see what uh, what Jason did? To I his? did. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> and someone's like, "Hey, you photoshopped that?" He's like, uh, "No, I used paint." <laughs> <laughs> For those who I think may not Paul know, and him he, have a history. He yeah. uh, he actually wrote in or painted in best Italian general on his template. I thought that was hilarious. So. I think he's the only Italian, so is that incorrect? Right. It is no, not very incorrect. factually true. No, it was very good. <laughs> yeah, that was super funny. Yeah, I saw that too. It was I nice talking back and forth. Yeah, it was nice um, spending some time talking to Jason. He had a lot of really nice things to say about the podcast, and so um, really enjoyed um, spending some time and talking. And Jacob, Jacob spent some time talking to us as well, and I know that um, he really enjoyed this particular event, and so. Um, I'm hoping that he'll be able to um, to do something similar within the amount of time we have before before Operation Snafu. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, we'll see something. Yeah, right on. Cool. All right. So I mean, it sounded like a great day. I like I said, I am really sad that I didn't get to make it there. Uh, thankfully, you guys were able to. You guys put on a pretty good show on your own. I don't yeah, think you that missed would have been it. Rick, missed you. Eric asked. He's like, "Where's Rick?" And I'm like, "Yeah, he's." He's around the pool somewhere with his daughter, and he's he just kind of shakes his head. He's like, "Oh man!" So, yeah, we missed you. Says the guy that like has to take his children to basketball like every other night. So, well, they're um, you know right around that age oh. where that stuff starts happening. So, right. I mean, it's just how it is. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. you have other commitments. Family commitments come first. Still, so. remember, this is just a game. That's real life. So, whoa, 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 whoa! Hang on. What? <laughs> it this does. Just I mean, in. no. Yeah. In case you it's didn't a, know, it's, take it's care of your kids first. what you do while life happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. You'll be at the next one, no. though. Uh, no. Unless something else crazy happens, I will be there this Friday. All right. Good Yeah, deal. no, so it sounds it sounded like a great time. I'm, I'm supremely jealous. It was. It was. It was, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of glad 
because we're we're not doing something similar, but we are kind of following along this idea of axis versus allies, and so that kind of team oriented gameplay, and so and it you know it it works. I didn't see exactly how it could, but Jacob pulled it off really really well. So well done, super well done. I mean, yeah, super it, well done. Seems like this game works very well for that. It's kind of on purpose, I I would believe. That's just my belief. Anyway, um, you want to take a short break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about the Japanese, since I didn't really introduce what we were talking about. But oh, what about, do we have an update for Renegade, or? Yeah, anything on that? Uh, hey, I have nothing. Well, we're, we're still sold out. Uh, we had, <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, right, get your name on the waiting list. We really want you on that waiting list, though, everybody. Yeah, Cause if absolutely. Because we get enough, we might we might be able to do something about that. That's what that's what the event organizer had said when we met with him Correct. yesterday. One well, is he, that including the one that directly I am you, Dale? Maybe. No. Got real okay. quiet in here all of a sudden. I don't know. Yeah, no, I know. Like he's like, I don't know if that's the one. We'll have to make sure we might actually have three on our waiting list. So yeah, so, the the event organizer keeps pushing for us to you know expand because well you know, we're one of them that sold out and you look at like the Age of Sigmar and there's like a guy's name in there. So, uh, yeah. And oh. even if you want to come and not, and want to play Age of Sigmar, that's great. Come and play Age of Sigmar. Let's, yeah. let's support there's, this. There's event a lot so of space open. Continue. There's a whole. I mean, they're going to do a vendors hall, so they're going to have you know similar Adepticon. You know, they're going to have vendors there. You can buy stuff. So, they're they're really trying to set it up and kind of grow it and can follow the path that Adepticon has set out. That's kind of what Renegade is moving towards over the next five years. So yeah, should be really cool, guys. For sure, come up. Right on. Sweet. Cool. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything else really to add other than that. Like, like we've already said, please, please sign up. Uh, if you, if you, so the directions are a little bit unclear on the website if you haven't seen it. So if you go to renegadeopen.com, they're underneath the thing that says this event is sold out. Email, so I can even tell you what it is. It's email info at renegadeopen.com, and they will be able to help get you on the waiting list. So basically email them and tell them, hey, I'd like to be on the Bolt Action waiting list, and you can get signed up. Yeah. Poke it. Let's Sweet. take that break, Rick. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, my teeth are floating. Right, right. right. We'll Let's take that in... break. We'll be right back. <laughs> we'll be back in three minutes. Thank you. 
Welcome back. That was seemingly like a very long break, but it only seemed like a very short time for you guys. Uh, so I don't think I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but we are talking about the Japanese tonight. So why don't we get right into it? Why don't we the armies of Imperial Japan? Thanks, Pat. That's that's why I have Pat here because I can't actually follow anything to the to the letter. I just I call it the Japanese, and then I get corrected. You can, you can sell secrets to the Japanese. We're talking about the armies of Imperial Japan. I do. Sure. You wouldn't really sell secrets to, Japan, to the Japanese, would you? <laughs> I, I don't no. really have any that they would pay any money for, so no, okay. I don't think that'd go very far. Right. I mean, uh, I, got I, my, I got my recipe for, like, diabetic French toast. I don't know how much that could be worth. What? Is what's that a, a thing? What's for real? that? Yeah. I changed all my recipes out once I got that, once I had that life-altering moment. So, yeah, okay. I got a lot of whole, the, like whole no sugar. Recipes. Correct. Well, I don't put sugar in my French toast anyway. Maybe that's why it's you... usually mixed in with the with the French toast batter at the egg wash. Is there no sugar in vodka? There is no sugar in vodka. Oh, that explains a lot then. Okay. Yes. So basically, any of your li- liqueurs that are white or clear don't have any sugar in them. Like Your rum, on the other spiced, hand, has spiced a shit ton rum, of sugar. Anything that's the caramel color has a crap ton of sugar and carbs. Yeah, which exactly. is why, you, generally speaking, we drink too much of that, you you throw up on the hotel room floor and sleep in it. Well, I'm all I over the blame, room tonight. I blame so. the vodka. Vodka's from potatoes, right? Yes. We should be drinking sake tonight. Some vodkas are from potatoes. Not all vodkas are from potatoes. That's Fresh out of rice wine. Sorry, Dale. That, that sounds yeah, like a yeah. philosophical statement. All right, so armies of Imperial Japan. Right, as I've been corrected. I, I could probably just mute my microphone. You guys could do this without me. No, we like it when you um, <laughs> when you when I get all salty. with the rest of us. What free <laughs> shit do you get in this army book, Dale? I get a lot <laughs> of free <laughs> shit. It's awesome. All right, so Dale is our, our resident Japanese player, our Imperial Japan player, if you want to get all crazy and technical. Not by choice. You're not by choice? You don't by choice, or you're not Japanese player by choice? choice. No, I came right, in I'm late. Confused and I, well, no, I, I just came in late, and I asked, well, what isn't anybody else playing? And we're like, we don't have a Japanese player. And I'm like, you had right, You so had an I opportunity to jump in? You had an opportunity to jump in a lot sooner. You chose not to. That's a, that's on you, man. That that is still your choice. The part of not right? jumping sooner. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that part. You could have played Germans. We only have one German player at this point. Uh, I do have a. Well, you're right. So, fair enough. I am the Japanese right. player, and I play the crap out of the player. Japanese. It's awesome. They're pretty good. I They're super good. I don't even have, have to really know what I'm doing, and I still win. That's not true. 
as we've already true. we've pointed we've pointed out in other episodes that it's not as point and click as people make it out to be. It could be pretty point click. Well, let's, let's, we'll let's get into that. a little bit here. Let's yes, just, yeah, we'll all right. Well, let's, let's get into the special rules and make them unique in what they are. These super sweet so, special rules. Yeah, they have four of them. That must be nice to get and four it, special it, rules. It is right. super nice. <laughs> Shut your damn mouth. <laughs> well, I mean, the British are so sporting that they only give themselves three. Right. As Pat likes and then, to point And the out. third one is just a rotating roulette wheel of whatever well, the fuck you want that game. The Brits won, so they don't want to rub it in everybody they else's did. faces. Right. So <laughs> We have you know. less special rules than you, so they can say that every time. Yeah. Is that what it is? I like it. Like, we only have three rules. You have four or five. You know, you got to be better. I have nice. four. Nice, I can still get you wound up there, Rick. <laughs> no, that's that's what I'm here for. All right, well, let's let's talk up. about the first let's special rule they got: the the death before dishonor. Yes, sounds awesome. But maybe not because it says well, death in it. Well, yeah. they're they're fanatics. Every every unit in the army is fanatical, right? Gets the fanatic every unit rule. gets the fanatic special rule. Wait, it's fanatically what? awesome. Okay, we're we're done here. We're done. It's over. Podcast is done for the night. Good night, guys. That's it's, it. That's that's amazing. Well, you look at it this way: you complain about people getting a free hundred point unit. If yeah, if I've got Every models plus three points, plus three points. Yeah. So if I, if I've got more than thirty three models, then I exceed that hundred point special rule that anybody else right. gets. Right. Which is damn near impossible not to do. It's super amazing. That's awesome. That's yeah. an amazing rule. Yeah, it's just fanatic for free. Yeah, it's um, it, we used to talk. Well, we won't do that, but it's very forgiving when it comes down to it because you don't have to really, you know, it used to be super forgiving until they they got it correct in the fact, in the fact rather. Um, but we can get to that later on. Yeah, fanatics for everybody. Yeah, awesome. Okay, you could be just done there, and that's still a pretty awesome army. But I wait, think so. There's more. But wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. They got the the favorite thing that Dale has talked about quite a bit is that the dreaded bonsai charge, which they automatically pass the order test and charge the closest visible enemy unit. Remove a pin. Or, move get, get in charge. Yeah. Yeah, and this is the one that got that got fixed in the errata, mm-hmm. which Correct. was a big deal because the rule like, actually that's a big deal. the rule actually reads that as as though you had rolled double ones. And so what happens you didn't when you actually roll double, roll ones. double ones? When you roll when you double ones to... in an order test, you get to remove a pin plus another D6 additional pins. In version yeah. 2. In yep. version 2. Version 1, you just you would... was successful. Right. So yeah. when, when we took the jump from version 1 to version 2, and in version 2, when you double one your order check and you get that sweet, sweet drop of pins, um, every Japanese player was like, woohoo, we're broken. And they were they were right, and um, yeah. And um, anyone fact, that thought that that was staying, yeah, the, I, yeah, I don't know that anybody really believed that it was staying, but the fact um, did did change that so that it only counts as a successful order check to drop one. I, I wasn't the thing that bothered me about the fact wasn't that they um, they fixed it, and I I don't disagree with the ruling. It's that they didn't go as far as to change the way that the rule was written, um, because they didn't actually change it. You know that it wasn't a double one. They just said, "Well, it it's a double one, but it only counts as you just successfully passing." 
Which to didn't me actually is, roll the dice or whatever. Right. Yeah, you didn't actually roll it. And I'm, yeah. I just, you know what, if, if you, in this instance, and I don't know that, I know that they don't like to change the rules that they've written, and I can understand and appreciate that. In this case, I really wish that they had just gone, you know, replace what it says in the Japanese book with this. So, right. Oh, well. kind of like they did with the the British, or like change the rule to what the British have in their in one of their three special rules. Right. So, but we catches. it was one of the there's the third special rule, one of five. <laughs> the, the up and atom, right? Up and atom, which, which it says as though you got the result you needed to pass the test. Mm-hmm. That's all they would have needed to do just to say you get your you get to clear one pin, but that's it. Don't don't expect any more. Keep moving forward. Right. So we know what they mean, and it's still a fantastic, um, a, a fantastic special rule, especially if if you put as much forethought into the positioning of your troops and funneling the opponent so that the closest enemy unit is the one that you want to charge. Um, so, you know, it, even if it's not, it's it's pretty fantastic. It, it well, and certainly it's a guarantee. takes some skill and planning. Sorry. Uh, but you, you need to You need to plan that, too, as far as the opponent is considered, because you can actually, you know, bait your charges a little bit and, and hopefully direct that unit where you want it to go and where it doesn't want to go if it's going to bonsai charge. So that's, that's the really way you can counter that. But... It is, and it can be very effective, especially if you have a smaller kind of disposable unit um, that you can toss out there to eat a charge so that after they charge and wipe out the unit, there's another round of shooting you can pour into the enemy. As a Japanese player, um, knowing that that is an, an eventuality, the plan is that you know, you're duplicating all of this kind of stuff, so you're moving up multiple units in support of each other. So that even if one goes off charging in a direction you don't want to, you've got that backup unit in place to to move forward. So, I mean, there's a lot of layers here in the, in the gameplay. But um, as Japanese, um, you certainly, because of the special rules, benefit maybe more so than most of the other armies um, from having actual infantry on the board because they all get fanatics, plus the bonsai, the bonsai charge. Yeah, those two rules do work pretty well together. And the other thing about bonsai that's really cool is that it... It guarantees that your your units are moving, right? You're like, I can guarantee my unit is moving when I want them to move, which a lot of other armies can't do. If they've got one or two pins on them, you're like, well, am I gonna am I gonna pass a check and am I gonna keep moving? You know, and you know, a percentage of the time you don't. Whereas you are guaranteed to always be able to move forward, which plays into other things that this army is good at. Right. So, so you've got like a benefit. Yeah, you've got a yeah. benefit on the assaults. And while it may not feel like it, it's actually a benefit on defense as well. Because if you're defending, that means that you're not moving across the field, taking those shots as you're coming in. You get to sit there for a couple of turns and shoot the enemy as they're coming in. And then when they get close enough, you can countercharge or assault off of the objective with your bonsai charge and your fanatics and consolidate backwards. So it's even these two rules are fantastic, even if you're playing defensively. So, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a subtle thing that I think you just mentioned is that you're you're essentially your weight you're 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 basically saying you're willing to take some pins and and just live with them instead of like rallying them off or doing something else to get them off. Essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you were just suggesting? Is that well, somewhat, but the idea is that um, if if your opponent is advancing across the field towards you, 
um, then you're not getting a minus one to shoot them. You can take up a defensive position behind cover, which makes you harder to hit. So you're less likely to even be suffering from pins as your enemy is moving towards you. And then if you do need to rally in case to cover a couple of pins, that's that's perfectly acceptable because you're likely to have fewer pins on you as you're not advancing as the enemy is as he's coming towards you. So it is really, you know, and and I, and I believe that if you are paying attention to your special rules as a Japanese player and you are moving more heavily on the infantry side, um, that suits a defensive play style almost as well as an offensive play style. Um, because when it comes time to counter assault, you've got the numbers, you automatically pass your checks, and you're fanatic. So, yeah. I'd almost rather be defensive in this. So in, in my third game against Steven in this previous tournament, because of his national characteristic, he was advancing across the field toward me. And so I was able to put down a great deal more fire and pins on him than he was on me because of the situation. And then when he got close enough, I had superior numbers and fanatic, I could countercharge to my heart's content and basically just kind of overran him. So, yeah, fantastic. He didn't have a flamethrower, though. Oh, well. Well, he should have had a flamethrower. So. Should always have flamethrowers. Come on, man. <laughs> really? See, that's why my lists are always wrong. I never put a flamethrower in there. Oh, my bug eater list has a flamethrower. Watch out, everyone. <laughs> mine, mine has a Piat, so be scared. <laughs> it's almost the same <laughs> as a flamethrower. <laughs> oh, God. It's the same range, anyway. No, no. <laughs> almost. I got, I, got a, I got a foot. So That's what she said? <sighs> no, she never said that. So these right. first two special rules are... They shape the army. Fantastic. Yes. They, they work together very well. Yes, they do. I don't suffer from the army rule envy that um, that plagues Rick. Let's just say that. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, the next sure. one is, is really... Um, it doesn't come into play a lot. So it's so the ambush tactics, which basically means if you get to start the game in hidden, which... Several scenarios let the defender or whoever start up starting hidden is you can take your order dice out and put that hidden unit in ambush. So you've got something oh, that can cool. be ready to fire right away top of turn one. But it, it's it's uh, situational because you have to be playing those scenarios that allow you to have hidden units and you have to win the roll to be defender to be the hidden units. But yeah, so pretty cool a roll. And you know, of course, you can't fire at uh, uh, rangers when they come in, even though you're in ambush. But Anyone else, you certainly can feel free to fire away at. It's it's an interesting um, it's an interesting rule, um, not one that usually comes into play like um, immediately from the aspect of how you're thinking your army will play because the other two seem to be very assault driven. You can't assault out of ambush; you can only shoot out of ambush. So that part of it you have to work into, you know. But you know, uh, Warlord recently released. A couple of tank or a tank that was dug in as a model, so you know because their tanks weren't effective, so they ended up just using them as bunkers or defensively held gun positions. So uh, ambush is only for shooting, so you're looking at your snipers and and things like that. But yeah, interesting, interesting tactic, and I think that kind of fits in along with the flavor. And we'll have Jeff comment on that when we wrap up. But so oh. they're fourth and. Final special rule is another very situational one, and this is one of those special rules that, in order to use it, you have to buy stuff to get it. Uh, they call it "Show Your Loyalty," and then basically they get access to a political officer that can 
Uh, so if you get green friendly Japanese troops within six inches, they can uh, they can reroll the result for the green. So green is when you take the first casualty in a unit. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. So it's the same you, as the home guard. Right. So yeah, they they can bump up to become regular, or they can get worse and whatever. But this having I'm not I'm even going to try and pronounce it, but I'm just going to say political officer. Kempatai, uh, I think, is how it's pronounced. That's Kempitai? a lot better. Yeah, I, I just saw Kemp, and I'm thinking Kemp's ice cream in my head. So you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, so you have to buy the officer. You have to buy the green the green troops to go with him to use this. But hey, those green troops have a much better chance of you know at least staying regular, if not moving up, or staying you know not getting worse. So, right, and so this lends itself to situational um, to a very specific choice within this army book. There's only one infantry unit that is green that you can get. Um, and they are very cheap because they're green. Four, five points a model. And the Kipatai political officer, him or herself, I don't know if there are any women officers, but there's only 15 points, so it's not like there's a premium points cost on. It's a pretty cheap, cheap it dice. Is. Isn't it he is. inexperienced as well? He is inexperienced or as she, well. Or I, she, I, right, he or she, the... The, the political officer is inexperienced as well. There we go. So, yeah, but that wraps up the um, the four special rules within the the army list. Um, personally, second two are kind of eh. yeah. Personally, I feel like um, you know the first two in particular are fantastic rules um, to the point of you know being really really strong maybe even broken in some in some circumstances um but i i tend to build my lists in a way that um maximize the value of the special rule so i run infantry heavy infantry heavy lists so as um, does every japanese player right i I think as did the japanese army sure right so i i don't have a whole lot else um Jeff, from your perspective, and as our resident historical scholar, oh Jesus, um, how are you feeling about um, about this book and these <laughs> special rules? Uh, um, this I is know this is hard because there's not a lot of information available to us, i.e., English reading folks, mm-hmm. um, and there's historical records and stuff like that. But what do you think? I think this is a really, really tough one, and someone that's a much more specific study of Japanese warfare and culture can answer this question better. I have a concern about this, the way this army's kind of put together, uh, rules-wise, in that it falls into more of what we perceive to be the stereotype of what the Japanese were like in the war, like uh, very much towards, very much towards the end of the war you saw when when things were falling apart kind of for them, you saw more of the bonsai charges, the the desperation there, and the we would rather die than be taken prisoner kind of thing. But early war, I mean, you have to remember, the Jap- Japan fielded one of the most experienced armies when World War II officially kicked off because they'd been fighting in, in, in China for years before, or what is considered China now, for years before that. So I, I have a slight concern that this, starts to creep too much into what we, you know, I don't know, is it that group think where you, you remember things that aren't necessarily perfectly accurate? It's maybe um, the victor's right, right yes. to history kind of thing. Yes. I mean, certainly bonsai charges absolutely happened, right? 
absolutely happened. Mm -hmm. Did they happen with the frequency that this book would kind of lead you to believe? I don't know if that's actually accurate or not, at least not during the early and mid parts of the war. Right, yeah, just whole platoons run at each other. Like, that doesn't seem reasonable to me. No, I mean, usually it's 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 what you do when you're you're out of ammo, right? Like, you're basically, you're down to just your, your um, bayonet, right, and your sword. And, like, you're like, well, we're not going to surrender. We're going to die fighting, right? Someone will, someone will give a little speech about Bushido and about the code and all that, and then they'll, they'll take that charge and try to win. But it's not really a tactic you use to take ground. It's a tactic you use to not be taken prisoner. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's more, you know, it's, it's more of a suicide by gun than it is a right. Yeah. And, and and it kind of ignores the – maybe not ignores isn't even the right word. It kind of doesn't really catch the fact that, I mean, if you look at the early parts of the war, uh, especially the Japanese and how their army were able to take over parts of the South Pacific with such speed and you know, that's a professional army doing professional things, mm-hmm. not a bunch of guys screaming and charging at you with sword points like, kind, or, or bamboo spears or anything stupid like that. I mean, they made the British, colonial British, look foolish in the early parts of that war. They made the colonial Americans look foolish at the early parts of that war. You know, so you have to really remember this is a professional army, not, not a bunch of fanatics. And I know that's not the same word, but come on. So I, I just have concerns about it's too focused on the very end of the war and not focused enough on the earlier part of the war. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. At least it does to me. So, so. Th- so the follow-up question that you don't want, how do you fix it? Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> you give one of the special rules as an option. No, I don't know. The, the, see, the way you fix it, Pat, is that and the fix is in there, it's just the rules aren't conducive to it, is that you allow them to field the higher percentage of veteran troopers at this in the early war period, right? And they because do. They, and they do. You, you have a lot of veteran choices at the start of the war. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that's not a – it's hard to explain. That rule doesn't really catch the flavor and the professionalism of the Japanese it's army. It's not exciting either. No, not at all. Not at all. Right. No. And it, it well, doesn't catch the, the reinforced platoon, which is what everyone wants to play. You know, they, they have a lot in the theater selectors, you know, like you said, of the availability of types of troops in those theater selectors in the early yes. war. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, you match it up against the other theater selectors, like, you know, what U.S. had. Like, in the first entered the war, they're, their only options are Garbage. inexperienced troops. You know, Garbage, they, yeah. they have no idea what they're doing. Exactly. But nobody wants to do that, especially in a tournament setting. When you go in there, you want you want to bring you want the best you can the the best units you can pick from usually late war, and that's what you want to put on there. Absolutely. Now, and the other part, I mean, the Japanese army definitely had a very very heavy infantry component to it, right? Offensively, they never truly caught up to the Western countries in tank design or production. Not even at the very end of the war, some of the stuff reserved for the fighting off the invasion of the home islands was marginally on par with things that the Allies were fielding in 43, right? So, I mean, it's true that there was infantry heavy on the folks, but you can't dismiss the, the Japanese Navy and Air Force as well, which aren't part of this game at all, but a huge component of the Japanese game plan. It was. Oh, it was. They were taking yeah. steel away from tank design to put into ships. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, their Air Absolutely. Force was just... Awesome. Their, their planes were superior to ours at the beginning of the war by far. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. They they're faster. They're on better. an island. Well, yeah. Got to make they got to make do with what they got. I feel like it's funny because like I kind of agree with you, Jeff. That I feel like I know that we as as like the the Marines were landing in the Pacific, like they were giving us fits as far as like ambush, and I feel like the ambush rule is very subdued comparative to the death before dishonor and bonsai charge. Like, yes. I almost feel like if they could flip those rules around because I know that they were they were very good at like the hit and run and the tunneling and all that kind of stuff that was very different a very different tactic than anyone was used to anywhere else in the war. I maybe I'm maybe it's another stereotype that I'm playing into, but I feel like that was a bigger deal than than bonsaiing was. But Yeah. But I mean I mean like read an account of how they took Singapore away from the British and you're just kinda like, yeah. geez, you know? That's 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 a, a well trained, well executed game plan by the Japanese. You know, so well, it's, you said that Japanese aren't strong these, and efficient. Yeah, it, but these rules just don't feel conducive to building an army like that, right? You can build an army like that with these rules, but the rules, army special rules, always tend to lead you down a path, kind of. And yeah. these rules lead you down a path to very late war. Japan is very much on the back foot, right? You know, a kind of army builds. Get a bunch of guys and run them at your opponent, right? And that's going to be your most efficient, yeah, your most efficient return of the special rules as they're right as they're taking advantage of the most rules. Yep, exactly. Which is probably it. I think you're right. I think it's doing a lot of injustice to maybe what the Japanese were during the war. That was not the end all be all. There was a lot of things that maybe you know. During parts of the war, you're right, but that may have not been. That's not the whole story, obviously. Right. So, so I don't know. I mean, like it, it's it, they're not wrong. I mean, I would never say that. And there may be someone who's done a lot more research into the the Pacific theater of this war that would tell you the Japanese structure very much went for this. But I I have never seen anything, especially early war, that suggests that at all. So, I don't know. This this one, sorry, I'm going to digress here with your history for just a, for a minute, and I apologize about this. Part of what plays into this is that uh, if you read, like, if you watch historical, I'm going to call them propaganda, produced in the United States during the war, of, of all the Axis powers, we really dehumanized the Japanese when we were fighting them, far more so than the Italians or the Germans. Was this after Pearl Harbor, though? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. After we entered the war, uh, we went through great lengths to dehumanize the Japanese, far more so, you know. And, and, and truth be told, this is some of the, the, the nastiest fighting that the Western powers, other than Russia, had to engage in in the entire course of this war. Okay. Now, that stuff on the Eastern Front between the Germans and the Russians, I don't, that's nasty, too. I mean, that's, that's some real knockdown that real was a, brutal kind of stuff. A real fascist versus Marxist thing, and that was happening even before the war broke out, right? Between right. the political parties, so yeah. But the the war in the Pacific was a nasty, nasty fight, yeah, for and it's us. easier to get and it's easier to get guys to fight and kill if they don't view the person they're killing as human. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just basic military doctrine. So I worry that some of that dehumanization has still bleeds over into our historical reckoning of of the war in this theater. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and I guess, and I hadn't really considered it, but when you bring it up, this does feel like a very Western interpretation of the conflict. 
um, against this particular force. And so, and I know that, you know, you know, trying to put together um, a historical point of reference for my miniatures as I was trying to put them together in the early war, it was difficult to really find something that I could grab onto. And I think I remember reading somewhere about how it's so difficult to get a hold of actual historical documentation from the Japanese perspective. And I don't recall why that necessarily is or was. But, you know, I'm looking, I was, you know, I'm trying to look for famous, you know, famous Japanese platoons and different kinds of things. But, you know, everything is so overwhelming from the Western point of view. It was really difficult to kind of, you know, but I've never been to Japan. I've never been to that part of the world. So I just don't have access to that necessarily. I'm, you know, almost as in the middle of the United States as you can get. So, you know, you're kind of trapped in that regard. But Mm -hmm. from a special rules standpoint, other, you know, it's just. I don't know what, where, or how you can go about these differently. So I just really feel like they're very, from a gaming standpoint, they're they're pretty strong. Oh, so. absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've I've never been to Japan either, but my sister sent me a T-shirt from Tokyo Disney, so that's as close as I've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yay! I've had some I've had some Japanese candy. As close as I've gotten. Yeah. But yeah, it, they're. Their special rules, uh, for as far as gameplay are concerned, they they lend itself to a certain style of play. Which, yep, they do it whether it's historically correct or not. It's certainly as reflective as you guys had mentioned, end of the war and just numbers, just numbers of them coming at you. And that's what you see in a lot of the the movies too. Is that just they just overwhelmed with numbers and just it, you didn't have enough ammo to put you know to to stop them from coming into you. I don't know how you get that reflected in the rules. Oh wait, you get unarmed guys, don't you? We'll discuss those as we get down here. Well, they do. They do one thing very, very well. So, at least yeah. in my limited experience. So, again, Close as I'm, at- I'm still learning it. You know, my inclination is to get as many bros as I can and to run them forward um, as efficiently as I can to get into hand-to-hand combat. So. And I don't know that that's necessarily historically how how the force fought, but I know as I was those first few games, you know, against you, Pat, and I'm running at you, you know, you're like, you know, that just puts you on the back foot, and so it's just one of those things. So, yeah, that was before the FAQ when you're shedding, you know, four to six pins <laughs> at, a, at, a, at a glance. Right, and so essentially what that's done is it's forced me to maybe take an extra turn in an advantageous position to rally if I need to. But I don't always necessarily even need to. I can still run at you. It doesn't matter if I have pins if I'm not shooting you. I just right. Close still combat get doesn't, to you. doesn't do anything with pins. You know, it doesn't. Rolling to wound, you're not rolling to hit. Right. Do and, not care anymore. And the so. number of times that you know I've I've had this, we've had this close combat, and it's like, oh my god, I actually won this one. I got three casualties. You got two. Crap, you're fanatic. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. hey, let's do it again. Like, oh, <laughs> head, wall, repeat. No, no, good times. So, yeah, I think they're very, very strong with these special rules. So, seem pretty good. All right, should we dive into HQ then? Well, HQ is, you know, a site we we talked about the, I'm just going to say political officer again. Uh, Other than that, I think they're fairly stock HQ that everyone else has, you know, uh, observers, medics, lieutenants, captains, etc. Unless there's something else that jumps out at anybody or 
Well, the Kempatai officer, which we've talked about, he's only 15 points, so that's a pretty cheap order dice, even if you don't have green troops. So. There is something to be said for cheap order dice. And in a, I don't know how this works to reinforce pl platoon here, but it appears like it, it is outside of your higher officer selector. So you can have both a Kempatai and a major or a captain still. Is that correct? I think that's the same thing as like the the commissar for the for the Russian army. It's just an additional commissar is an either troop. or. No, commissar is an addition too. You can have him and still have your lieutenant. Oh, you can. Yeah. Okay. He's just he's just a little add-in guy, kind of like your medic is. You know, he's a zero-one selector. But the medics, uh, medics is medic is one. yeah. Okay, medics so either there's one. a problem. So either there's a problem with bolt uh, with uh, easy army or the Russian doesn't work the same way. The commissar is in the same slot as your. If you go into your uh, officer selector inside the reinforced platoon on the Russians, the commissar is in the same selector as your your captain and your major. Yeah, I believe really? the yeah I believe the Kempatai political officer is only available in a specific th in specific theaters that allow for the green troops. So late war those green troops because the reinforced selector does not have him as an option so and this is just the reinforced it's in the reinforced selector i just looked a second ago oh because i don't see him listed in the actual reinforced platoon as as a choice uh zero one captain or major zero one medic zero one forward observer it doesn't list the Kempatai officer. Although that may have hit the fact where he should actually be there as a choice. I actually, think that was listed in the fact. Actually, Dale, I'm, I'm actually reading the book, and the reinforced platoon, platoon selection does have him as a zero one one selection in the reinforced platoon selection. Oh, that must I be himself? changed then. No, well, this is this is the Kendall version, so, you know, if there is publications afterwards, usually they have, you know, they have the corrected typos and whatnot. But looking at the reinforced platoon in the book itself, that it has them listed as a zero one selection. Okay, so then we pick them up. Okay, it's not uh, in my copy of the digital book, so interesting. Go Kendall. It, yeah, and it's not in the higher officer slot. It's in its own slot, essentially. Correct? So, Same as like a medic or forward observer. So you've got. So here we go. I'll run it down through you just because we're just because we're asking the reinforced platoon. One Sorry. lieutenant, first or second, two infantry squads plus. Mm -hmm. Zero three infantry squads, zero one captain or major, zero one medic, zero one forward observer, artillery or air, uh, zero one machine gun, zero one mortar, zero one sniper, zero one flamethrower, zero one anti tank, zero one political officer. Yeah, I'm still dodging that. Zero one field artillery, anti aircraft or tank gun, zero one armor, zero one tank, and of course the transports. So they are in there. Okay. Yeah, my entry does not have the Kempatai political officer in between the anti-tank team and the field artillery. So, okay. interesting. Huh. What print did you have in did your you... book? Um, this is the iPad version. Let me roll up here to see if they have a digital copyright on it. Did either of you guys, they the don't. selector, have the, have the flag option? It does not. Because that was introduced in Battle of the Bulge, wasn't it? Uh, actually, I would think it was Empire in Flames. I think you're right. Okay. Yeah, actually, I was just reading through that, trying to find one of these other uh, units that showed up when I was going through this. Because afternoon. they're fanatic, the the flag option seems redundant. Um, actually, a waste. Very much so. All right. I've just I neither of you had mentioned it. That's why I'd ask. Mm -hmm. Okay. So to get back to the point, the commas, the the Kempatai is its own thing. 
outside of the higher command. You can have both. That's that's kind of the gist of it that I was getting at. That's why that whole kind of circle of like the we like coming full circle on, on, on thought tangents. Yeah. That's a good yeah, thing to do. No doubt. Absolutely. It was a question that turned into a really long discussion that shouldn't have been. Yeah. Anyway, Fifteen points. Right. Inexperienced. He can have two bros. Yep. With show your loyalty, mm-hmm. which is the reroll on the green table. Which is good for a unit, maybe. I mean, they're, they're so it's or like five. sixty or. Or five, if you want to. It's only six inches still, so uh, it is what it is. But yeah, it, it, it could be good. Mm-hmm. So like you said, you can still have a captain or major, so it's not like you're losing out on those if you choose choose to take this one. All right, let's let's move into infantry. If there's no more HQ stuff to talk about, there's not. So here, here I think is the bread and butter of of your guys's. Basically, what makes these guys work. Yeah, how can you go wrong with just a bunch of guys on on the table, especially in an infantry-focused right. game? Yep. Yeah, yeah it's a good spot to be in. Yeah, yeah, if you're if you're playing an infantry-focused game and you've got some of the best infantry in the game, then that's a pretty strong position to start from. Seems pretty good. First thing yeah. that stands out to me is that their squads are huge. Yeah, well, no like, doubt. So I think the smallest one, there's one I think that's like only eight guys, but it's a specialty squad. But I think mm-hmm. there are other ones are usually like 12, like 12 to 18 for max squad sides or something. Yeah, like how's that. the biggest squad? How big is your biggest squad, Eighteen. Dale? How big can you get them? 18, the Grenadier squad. Whoosh. 18, man. That's yeah. incredible. It is. <laughs> it is when you think about it. It'll be expensive, but... You can... but... Um, 18 fanatics running across the board at you. You kill, you kill eight of them on the way in, almost half the squad. And there's still 10 guys there. It's, yeah, it's really, it's really those guys can, something. Those guys could take Gurkhas almost. So, well, maybe at a, at a full, at a full clip. And you had all of them. Much more expensively. <laughs> Yeah, but we're no we're not we're not concerned about Gurkhas as much. We wanna we wanna shoot them before they come at us. So they've right. got the basic choices: the Imperial Japanese Army, the infantry squads. They've got. Um, I do not think there's a green version of these. Actually, there's only one green choice as far as infantry goes. So all these others will either start as well. They will start as as um, regulars and can be upgradable to veterans. So. There's the army version, so Imperial Japanese Army, infantry, and veteran squads, about what you would expect, although you can typically take a lot more of these guys than you would with, with the other army lists. So do we, or rather I'm asking you guys, do you feel like that's an advantage? Or um, how many of you guys actually run your units at maximum allowances, and would you do that with the Japanese? Oof. Uh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I think, given your army special rules, I might run them as big as I could. Depend. It depends on the unit too. I think it really does depend on the unit. All right. So the baseline Imperial Japanese Infantry Squad. You start with seven guys, and you can add another eight for a max of fifteen. So regulars are still ten Jeez. points each. Your NCO can have the the submachine upgrade. Uh, one LMG. Um, option. So, would you run a unit of fifteen baseline regular Imperial Japanese? Don't forget your bicycles. You, you can't have bicycles. Yes. Uh, I I think the the large squad size is actually a hindrance now with version two 
in that full strength rule. Mm-hmm. With you know, you, if you have ten man, you have a full strength squad. It allows you to re-roll a failed order check as long as you haven't taken a casualty yet. Mm-hmm. And I think forcing you to you know spend that high price to get those fifteen or eighteen in that full squad really hinders you against that that rule that came out in version two. There's also a balance between the number of order dice as well. If you max out these units, you could be sacrificing an order dice or two. Yeah, Rick, you're talking 180 yeah. to 210 points for like an I don't, 18 regular. I don't know. Having, Jeff, having almost you? 20 guys in unit. Um, I don't know if it would make me inclined to do it more so or less so than anything else. I, I run some of my units full strength. I, use, I run some under strength. It's not... Filling it out just to get that reroll is not a consideration to me. Okay. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I, I'm with Jeff on that one. That's not why I would fill them out. Yep. If I if I could get 18 guys in the unit, I would get them because you put you can land that stuff on a, an objective, and that's going to be super hard for anyone to shift just based on the number of things it can do, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I so I, it's it's a trick. You have to. Th- you have to work out for yourself what you want that balance to be because if you're maximizing your units, and I've learned this kind of, when I played um, John Stentz, with my 750 points, I had four units of infantry. They weren't even maxed. I had I had two units of regulars at 12 and two units of veterans at 11. So not maxed, still a lot of guys. And I was rocking seven dice at 750 and he had 12 at 750 so definitely very different sizes of of units plus you know what we had had added to our things and so just because these squads you can have a ton of guys doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best way to run them which is kind of what i wanted to bring up so yeah quality sometimes can matter sometimes but I could see bringing maybe you're going to have to mix it up, right? You're going to have to take some big, some small, depending, like especially if you're taking an 18-man squad. Yeah, a shock 18-man squad of fanatics running across the board is definitely right. something that has to be dealt with. So, yep, it's yep. a point or of concern. There... Yes, mm-hmm. right. And so that the 18-man squad we're referring to is actually the Imperial Japanese Grenadier squad that can go up to to 18 guys at regular. And so what's what's unique or interesting about this unit is that they can have up to three light mortars in the squad for an extra 25 points per light mortar. And I kind of just dismissed that reading over it, but having been on the other end of Jeff's goofy little French light mortars has made me reconsider <laughs> this particular option quite a bit. And so I was thinking running this bad boy, actually a minimum-sized unit, of eight, eight, seven, seven guys um, with three light mortars in it because you don't want to be moving with these guys necessarily. They've only got a 12 to 24 inch range, but you pop them on an objective with three light mortars going off. I mean, that's a 50% shot of, of hitting right off the bat with sixes. So I kind of like that actually. Not too expensive either. Hey, you mentioned those light mortars. I, I was thumbing through the the book and reading through rules today and i came across this one i know we had we had covered as far as single shot weapons within an infantry unit can target something different but on 72 of the bolt action rule they actually say if unit includes both normal weapons and indirect firing weapons such as light mortar any mortar in the squad can pick a target individually so you can pick separate targets than what the rifles are firing at oh i didn't know that i thought that they had to shoot everything normally like the rest of the unit hmm 
that's that's why I wanted to bring oh. it up because I had I was thinking that too. I knew the one shot weapons like the Panzer Shreks and stuff like that could have a different target, but they actually specify out light mortars here. Well, so, that's some real spreading of pins there, actually. Re- you, regardless yeah. of what the rifles and other mortars in the squad are doing, ranging is kept track separately for each mortar, and they tell you in parentheses you might have to write things down. Dot dot dot. So that's pretty. That's actually pretty slick. So that's wait, awesome. each mortar can can target individually too. Yes. Wow, that's actually really good. Like, so you figure. Amazing. So you got seven guys at 70 points plus 75. So you have seven bros um, for 145 points with three light mortars on them. They could each individually target different units. Now, the range is just 12 to 24. But if you get them in the right spot, that's, I mean, that, that might be fun. You, you yeah. got you to gotta get the right spot. Has That little tiny, that 12-inch belt has to be like, you know, where an objective is, where someone's going to want to sit and camp or something like that. Right. Right. Ideally, you're going to want them sitting there. You're not going to want them moving at all. Um, so, that's yeah, something to think about. It's an, interest, it, it's an interesting tactical option, in my opinion. It is expensive, but it is, it, it's a unit in the Japanese army that isn't going to be running across the board and assaulting which gives you a different kind of play style that you're not going to find in the army. So I kind of like that option. I haven't tried it, to be perfectly honest. Um, I've only got one guy modeled up with a knee mortar at this time, but interesting stuff. So, And then you can get them as veterans as well. I don't know why you would, but you can. Yeah. It's a pretty cool little, pretty cool little setup there. Cool. Yeah. All right, let's move moving along. Let's keep this keep this going. Uh, so an SNLF squad, what the hell does that mean? Uh, Special Naval Landing Force is what their designation is. These guys start as veterans. They can only be veterans. And so whenever I play you guys and I say the green guys are my veterans, that's what this Special Naval Landing Force is. So. Cool, right on. Yep, okay. they're just your veteran choices right from the start. Right. So they're, okay, so they're early, uh, early war vets. 5 to 13 is there? Does that sound right? Um, are they capped at thirteen, or are they are they another eighteen man? I think these guys are capped at thirteen. Yep. Okay. Nope, twelve. My mistake. And I run them as tens or elevens, so I never have them at full strength. So, and that's just a function of the number of miniatures available in a box. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. Yeah, yep. that happens more frequently than you like to admit. Yeah, they also have a grenadier squad option as well, which does allow them to have up to three men with the light mortar. So, and I don't even know if that if that's unique to the Japanese, but I don't recall having seen that in any of the other army lists or books. So, I don't think there's been any army that we've had that also has a light mortar. And I know uh, German army had they have that whatever launcher thing, which I don't think is that an indirect fire, Rick. Was that like no, an RPG? Uh, well, it goes both ways, actually. Uh, so it can be you. fired, <laughs> can be fired indirectly or directly. Okay. The GBR, the GRB thirty nine. Right, their, I knew it was their, a combination of letter and numbers. Most things seem yeah. to be like most things are in the German book. Yeah, if yes. you don't know what the heck you're saying, just abbreviate it. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if anything else is a light mortar. Yeah. I wish, I wish I had a light mortar in a squad. Actually, I wish I had any so special you... weapons in a squad other than SMGs that we apparently call that special weapons. <laughs> just yeah, you don't got a lot of other ones. Nope. Uh, well, at least we're not as vanilla as the the Russians were. Would you like to take a rifle squad or an SMG squad or a ski squad? Ski squad. Yeah. 
All right, so I'm going to butcher this one. The the Taishin Shudan? The uh, Raider Troopers? Yeah. I'm fine with that. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing. You're like, you haven't played them? Don't really care? I have not. These are the paratrooper choice. Um, so maximum of 10 bros. Nope. My mistake. 12 guys. 10. Oh. So, well, this is interesting. The unit, the uh, entry says, yeah, NCO and four men add up to five additional men with rifles. Um, if they are paratrooper squad, add up to seven additional men. So perhaps there's uh, the Imperial Japanese Tishin Shuden paratrooper choice and non-paratrooper choice. But okay, if they're paratroopers, so... they don't have stubborn. So, which is the first stubborn unit or the first paratrooper unit we've talked about that didn't have that didn't come with stubborn. Maybe they didn't do it as frequently. Perhaps. So this makes know. them a little bit different. Obviously, they're cheaper, 13 points each. So. Well, yeah, the Stubborn's a, a one-point upgrade that they don't mm-hmm. have to deal with. One LMG, anti-tank grenades. Uh, they can have a few more submachine guns, um, which is what makes them stand out. But otherwise, I don't even believe there's specific um, miniatures available for these guys. But if you're going after a specific theme, then this is probably what the option is for. Cool. All right. Well, that's pretty much exciting. Yeah, not not terribly exciting. There aren't a lot of options necessarily. There are a few unique choices. The Grenadiers are somewhat unique, and then you know the Bamboo Spearmen, which we're going to talk about. So, which is the next on my list here is the Bamboo Spearmen. Yeah, these are the only green choice available in the base book. Bamboo the, Spear the inexper- Are they inexperienced or green? inexperienced but they come um their special rules um allocate them as being green okay gotcha so they're yep. both so no um no weapons that can be used outside of assault um just bamboo spearmen five points so and they can be given anti-tank grenades they can be given anti-tank grenades for the standard two points per man 15 man maximum squads so 15 guys for 75 points with your Kempatai officer which allows you to reroll the green because there's no rifles all they're good at is running across the field and fighting you in in hand to hand combat and of course they also come with a fanatic rule so yep it's their fanatics that bonsai just all day long mm-hmm. they, they seem to have very few other choices for 75 points. Uh, you know what? If 15 I'm... guys for 75 points. Yeah. They can yeah. be upgraded after with the green check with your Kempatai officer. Which, quite honestly, you don't really care about. You're, you're, you're running straight at them. Well, yeah, I, don't, I don't think points. that political officer is going to be following behind these guys too closely. Well, after after their first check, he won't be. But right. if you can right. if you can reroll that green check and make them veteran, that's that's outstanding. Well, you can't actually make these guys veteran. They can I think only they can only go to regular. regular. Oh, regular. I'm there, sorry. Yeah, yeah there, are, there are only a few units in the game that can go from green to veteran. So it's, I think those are I think Finland, German. German? Uh, Germans haven't. Yeah, it's Bakers. mixed qualities with the rules. Okay. All right, so it's just... And so typically, maybe not typically, but when you hear about you know those, those bamboo spearmen and Warlord did release recently um, 
miniatures finally for the bamboo spearmint, like a dedicated kit for them in the um, in the regular um, uh, Japanese infantry uh, plastic miniatures. They do have um, a couple of um, options where you can they they like a flag or um, a lunge mine. You can change those into bamboo spearmint. So they didn't have dedicated bamboo spearmint miniatures, but they did finally release those. I think in metals. Miles picked up a couple of units of those. So you often, not maybe not often, but occasionally you'll hear about a list of bamboo spearmen, spam. Um, you can only get five in a regular reinforced platoon, but if there's multiple platoons, then you might see a ton of these guys running across the board coming at you. Who would do that? Fanatics. They're never going to run away unless you almost eliminate them. Um, it's... It's something else. something else. Yeah, I mean, they're so cheap, and they play directly right into the army special rules. Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's a good combo. It's a super combo. It's, I mean, yeah, it's a super combo. It's it's not. I was gonna say it's borderline broken, but it's it's more than that almost. Yeah, it's it's pretty dang mm, close to the edge. I don't know if it's point and click necessarily, but. I've I've had a great deal of success. I've never I've never run these guys, um, but regulars and veterans are. I mean, they're just like everybody else's, but fanatics. I've had a great deal of success running across the board, within you know taking into account the scenario, the individual opponent, deployment, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it feels to me like they're very forgiving, you know of mistakes and things like that. And I've definitely lost, but I've won quite a bit more often than I've lost in that regard. So, and these are just a, one of those units that just really fits right perfectly into that slot of special rules, allocation, points, cost, efficiency. It's like, um, these are essentially the Gurkhas of the Japanese army, in my opinion. Yeah, that's probably a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. It, they're pretty dang good. I think so, this, so you should have to kind pay of... more for them too, then. Well, and that's the trick. It's because it's the idea of you know it's you think point, about the, it's the the cost point that they're at. Exactly, you think about fanatics being given to every unit to maximize the death before is it death yeah death before dishonor special rule, which basically adds three points onto every single infantry model you put onto the board. The yeah, bamboo sick. squad allows you to put so many more guys on the board that it really increases the value or bang for the buck that you get from your own special your own special rules. So Right. Absolutely that's exactly what makes this Right. Work. Purely from an analytical standpoint, you know, just thinking about math and crunching the numbers and stuff like that. So you do have to dedicate yourself to that and build a bunch of guys with pointy sticks. But, you know, it's it's a winning strategy. So Right on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Remember what I was I'm ranting about that. earlier about catching the flavor of this. This is the tech, the the historical use of these guys is such a flippin' corner case. They really shouldn't even be in the book. And it wasn't but a winning strategy for the Japanese in the end. Winning nothing. I mean, this this so so seldom happened that it's like I mean, if you're going to include a corner case like this. Uh, whatever. <laughs> it's tough, and yeah. even in the in the um, in the special rule for death bef- before dishonor, or no, it's actually bonsai charts where they where they say you know Japanese forces used massed frenzied charges often 
with the cry of bonsai. And and I do, you know, I will go bonsai quite often when I do it. These charges were sometimes effective, but more often were simply just a waste of good men. And so in the end, it wasn't really a winning strategy for them. But, you know, for our game and how we play, you load up on these bros and you're... You know, you'll win more often than you lose. So it's just kind of how it's worked out, I guess. So, yeah, so I, I did the math really quick, just so for reference. If you were to max out a single reinforced platoon uh, with bamboo spearmen, which is is some people's tactics that has happened before, you're spending 375 points, I think. And basically, because of the fanatic rule, you are getting a free 225 points. And how many guys on the board is that? 75. 75 infantrymen. And think about, you know, objectives and capturing objectives and holding objectives and how easy it is now to go down to get the plus two cover charge. And, yeah. uh, you know, these guys are inexperienced, of course, but you get to re-roll after the first casualty. It's, you know, and the, and the change between... A green and a regular upgrade is five points. Is that right? So between green and regular? Yeah, five Inex- to ten points. Uh, yeah, inexperienced. Well, regular. with with yeah, I'm sorry, inexperienced and regular. There's no rifle, okay. you know, so there could be another points bonus in right. there. It's really, you know, I mean, yeah, it's you can really. It's that's geez, a lot. This mechanic. It seems good. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Clearly, it's. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not point and click like you said, but it's. Still I could honestly hard say that if, if I showed up at a tournament game and I looked across the table and I saw seventy-five or whatever guys, I just with a bunch of spears, I would be like, "Okay, well, this game isn't even going to be fun." <laughs> it's it's really a difficult proposition to put somebody up against. Even it can be difficult, even if you've arranged a game with a friend of yours and you've told them I'm, I want to try this bamboo spearman list which is going to have you know 75 guys in it even if they know ahead of time it can be it can be a really difficult you know uphill climb for them to effectively counter that now imagine that in a tournament setting where you're considering any axis power that you uh, any axis power that you might face so it's yeah it's it's extremely specialized and potentially extremely effective. So, mm-hmm. probably not getting my best game vote. No, if you're doing that, it's tough oh. because even if the guy is great to play against, you know, just the experience you have to go through, you know, it's you know one of those things to consider. Definitely. Yeah, you could you could take a, mili- a militia squad instead if you were like feeling super like you needed to make a, a game of it for your opponent. Because they're a little bit more expensive, you get rifles with them, but they're the same. Everything else is essentially the same. They're green as well, actually, Dale. Actually, you're so right. It looks like you have two two yep. green units in here. I still think Gurkhas so would both of these guys. Well, yeah, because there's yeah, because they're Gurkhas. Cause they're, well, of course, they're inexperienced, or right. you know, potentially stay inexperienced. But yeah, that, that, I'm just I'm just trying to go through the math of how you you deal with 75 models on the table that you have to remove every one of them because of that fanatic rule. It's just, right. It's Almost just like, every one of them. It, it so. has to be done. It has to be done in close combat. You're not going to shoot them off the table. There's just no way you do it. The only way you can do it is several rounds of close combat. So, I, uh, Gurkhas are I max of 10, right? 
Yes, they are. All right. So, what's the points cost if you maximize your Gurkhas? They're um, ten, so one hundred and forty. One hundred and forty plus weapons and stuff like that. So you get fifty Gurkhas for seven hundred points, and you've got seventy-five yeah. bamboo spearmen for three hundred and fifty. So they've got an extra six fifty to spend. You have an extra three hundred. It's it it's close in my opinion, depending upon how the rest of that of that's you know you get two heavy howitzers and you know GG or one heavy howitzer and so this and it, we gave Gurkhas a hard time, you know the bamboo spearmen might be on level with the Gurkhas so yeah. Yeah, there probably are. If you if you do the whole spam thing, and I don't know that anybody spams five units of ten Gurkhas, but I think we are aware of people spamming five units of fifteen bamboo spearmen. So why not? Especially if you do double platoon and other such sickness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the double platoon allows you to get the the double heavy howitzers, which really wreck any of those heavy. Um, veteran units that are just going to mow through your inexperienced bros so yes there's, there's but that's um yeah that rounds out the infantry choices so a couple of interesting options the grenadier squad and and the bamboo spearman if you want to roll that way yeah no they're i mean it solid solid infantry all around right all yeah right. and they can't help but be because of the special rules right yeah that's the I'm doing math right now for for essentially throwing in some Grenadier squads into that because you can get more troops and you're still spending a lot less points comparative to other people. Like there's, a, there, I think there might be something there between those two units because you get some you get some mass amount of troops and and you get to maximize your rules even more. It's it's pretty it's pretty dang good, but. I think we've probably talked enough about that. Let's move into to weapon teams. Is there anything super standout in there? They do have one special choice. Yeah, the suicide anti-tank team. So. These guys make me so nervous when I see them on the board. <laughs> they really As do. They should. As they should. So regular at 20 points. So a single guy is 20 points, so that's an order dice. They take up your anti-tank slot, and you can have up to three of them Take uh, take up a single anti tank um, selection. Jeez. Yeah. Um, uh, note that you can do this in addition to an anti tank rifle team in selectors that it actually allow you to field. So your general selector, if you really liked your anti tank rifle team, um, you can yeah. have three. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, you can have an anti tank <laughs> rifle team and your suicide anti tank team. Um, so okay. they're relatively cheap. Their weapons are lunge mine, artillery shell, satchel charge, or magnetic mine, or something similar to that. So they have um, the extra selection rule, which you already discussed, and two other additional rules. They have a forward position rule, which is great. Uh, suicide anti tank team can count as observer snipers to set up um, for setup purposes. So you have to check your deployment rules for your specific scenario. If they allow advanced deployment, then these guys get to take advantage of that. And then they have the kamikaze rule. So um, if a suicide anti-tank team assaults an enemy vehicle and the model manages to move into contact with that target, it is immediately removed, and then you resolve a hit against the vehicle with a penetration value of plus 8. 
Boom. That's kind of crazy. Yep. Plus eight in assault with advanced deployment at 20 points for regular. You can have up to three of these as a single selector, anti-tank selector. But they and they act as independent units yes. with independent dice. It's like yep. a guided so Panzerfaust. Yeah, really Better really than a Panzerfaust because it's plus eight instead of plus seven. Although yeah. every every hit with an anti or, um, with a suicide anti-tank team, it always counts against the front armor. Well, still at plus eight. Yeah. Yep. Not not Still a hot knife through butter. So even as decoys at 20 points apiece with the order dice, it's it's a fantastic value, I think. Um, I've only used these once, to be perfectly honest, because we play early war, and and these these guys were not available until later on. So, yeah. They they are one shot, obviously, but um, at 20 points, you don't mind that so much, to be honest, especially with the advanced deployment. Keeping in mind that, um, you know, they can, you know, sometimes start the game in hidden as well, which helps out quite a bit. For for a unit in the game, I mean, I'm going to ignore the historical context of this. Just for a unit in the game, these guys are absolutely fantastic, and I would always run three of them. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I only have two. They're super threatening. Well, they're super threatening. They, They can dictate how your opponent plays their armor. They are dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. I can't see anything wrong with them. They're way better than a Goliath. I really, and I don't know how much we've really talked about this, but I like, I like those things that you can include in your list and in your play style that really encourage, well, maybe that's not the right word, force, I don't know, but shift kind of how your opponent is playing. I really think that's part of kind of that back and forth between you and your opponent when you're sitting at the table and in order to give, you know, your friend across the way a good game, you want to make them have to think about you want to challenge them. You want them to see their units in a different or new or unique way. And this is one of those things like Jeff was mentioning that you can put onto the board in a specific position and it can really change how they move or use their specific kind of um, tank. Or like uh, Tiger Fear kind of does the same thing where you can really dictate the flow of the battle. And as far as Japanese go, this is one of those one of those units that that gives that to them, and I li- and I like that. Plus, they're super cheap and amazing. I think that's the I think that's the important thing there is like you're able to do that kind of psychological warfare for essentially sixty points, mm-hmm. super cheap. Like it's it's a very inexpensive way to try and get into your opponent's head. Whereas a lot of other times, you you know, like again, Tiger Fear is a good example of it, where you're spending. Probably a significant amount of points if you're, unless you're buying the the few Panzer IVs that give you that. But you know you're paying quite a bit for that psychological effect. Whereas in this case, you're only spending sixty points and you're getting three dice out of it. It's a pretty good buy. It's a it seems like a really good deal. Yeah, this it seems like also, a great buy. This this also uh, exploits its uh, the special rules of the bonsai charge too, because you know you right? can you can charge a tank, and normally something that doesn't have anti-tank weapons has to pass that tank fear, which is a morale minus three. But the bonsai charge just says, nope, you automatically pass it. So it's it, it builds really on the rest of its stuff really well. Well, I mean, admittedly, it has anti-tank weapons. Like Nonetheless, it's just it's, it's another order test yeah. that doesn't have to be made. So you, you can charge it rather than 
running into position on it. I guess I, I guess I could right. say too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, and you're right, Pat. You're right. I hadn't really. I guess I hadn't thought about it recently because I don't play with these guys. But it does. It's another one of those things that overlaps really nicely into those into those special rules. And you think about it. You know, this this tournament coming up, a thousand points, uh, single reinforced platoon. Which doesn't seem crazy. I mean, it seems pretty. Maybe it's standard. I don't know. But the idea is that so you're facing one armored vehicle, or not vehicle, a tank, perhaps maybe another armored vehicle, and you've got three of these guys. If you put them together on one side of the board, um, and the tank hasn't already deployed, the tank is going on the opposite side. Chances are you can probably get two of these into position. If you're advancing with them, or locking down, or pinning a tank into place with these guys they're dedicating that many resources to eliminate them which means the rest of your super cheap fanatic infantry are advancing across the board nearly un unmolested it's just it's just borderline ridiculous the value no, it, you get out of these guys it's it's worse than that they, they yeah, uh i was they, about to correct that yeah they, they deploy like observers which means they deploy after the, the deployment phase that's right thank you yeah. Like I said, I, even I haven't played with these guys, so you can put yeah, them in so. exactly the right spot in good cover and just wait, you know, yep. So or advance three at a time, <laughs> you know. And so if, you know, so you figure if the tank is on the back of the board, you got 24 inches, you can get there in three turns. It's And maybe you don't, maybe you sit there. It really is, yeah, great, great stuff. Pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So nothing else in weapon teams that I, I everything else is pretty standard, standard in that regard. Um, their flamethrower team, yeah, their flamethrower team is individually. You cannot get that as part of like a combat or assault engineer uh, team. Bummer. Yeah, the flamethrowers yeah. are on their own individually, but they've got the um, medium machine gun, the medium mortar, um, sniper team, which I finally added because you know it's pretty awesome. Light, medium, and heavy mortar, so that's it. Okay, so standard fare. Yep. Cool. All right, let's move along to artillery then. Is there anything about the artillery that we would like to talk about tonight? Pretty standard here as well. Okay. Well, they, they do I, have one that has anything. a light shell, which, you know, it's a little cheaper, but it's, you know, it's, so whatever the light shell means, it just has a reduced power. But I, I found it okay. interesting that a lot of their options, a lot or a lot of their uh, selectors give them additional... Uh, men that they can add to some of their equipment. I haven't seen that before. They can add additional loaders to the team. Right, and so I've got, um, I'm playing with a howitzer for the first time at the upcoming tournament, and my medium howitzer has six uh, six man team on it. So, Wow, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Okay, Big fan so of adding extra like... crew. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Did, did you bring a spotter with him too? Uh, no, no spotter. Oh, Dale, you got to bring that spotter, buddy. So, like, <laughs> the, their heavy howitzer is a five-man team, and then you can add up to additional three more for five points each. Yeah, they so don't make like a um, squad hanging around the, this artillery piece. Warlord doesn't make a heavy howitzer model, although their medium howitzer looks like a heavy howitzer. Technically, it's not actually a heavy, a heavy howitzer. I think I saw, interestingly enough, I saw... A miniature from maybe it was Mad Bob, I don't recall, for the heavy howitzer, and it was like essentially a similar size to their their 105 millimeter medium howitzer. So, 
Well, what can you do? So I don't have that. So it's medium howitzer all the way, which is still pretty sweet. 3D6, that'll kill a bunch of uh, Gurkhas. Two, two, two. Or um, a three-inch template will kill three a bunch inch. of Gurkhas. There you go, so, yes. Yep. Yeah, sorry, the the rum is still pretty heavy on this end. <laughs> <laughs> so, You're all right. good, man. Or some more. Yeah. All right, so um, yeah. hang on. Um, how many pages, and we hadn't talked about this before, how many pages in the British book? No Quick idea. Look. It's upstairs. It's so obsessing with page numbers. There are 57 pages in the Japanese Imperial Japanese Army book. I can tell you the British is, is this, that. Yeah. You, is this where you're going to complain? Is this this is where you're going to complain? And no, he it's not about dice. I'm not going to complain. <laughs> free order dice. You count about the number of freaking pages you have in your book. But this episode is likely to be much shorter than the other ones because there just aren't as many... Uh. I, I think the British no. book is is probably three times the size. I think it's around the ballpark of 150, maybe just right. shy of that. Thank you very. The Commonwealth much. is pretty big. All right, I see where you're going with it. Here, well, it's because it's because the next couple sections, there's like nothing in them, like tanks, right? <laughs> oh my god, tanks like up. don't exist. I don't think we should right. just skip what, the tank section. What, well, right. what the Japanese call tanks that the, the British referred to as just armored cars. So there is, yeah, there is one choice in here that I like, but we'll get to that. So. Yeah, I mean, but, we're kind of yeah. already there. That's, like, that's let's, it for... Let's go through anti-tank guns. It's yeah, there's no more artillery, right? Yeah. No. Um, but I think, like Pat said, that they can get um, they can get more, more guys sitting there. Add so. crew. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. But then let's... Uh, so then anti-tank guns... Hey, they have one anti-aircraft gun. You can't skip over that. The, the 75 millimeter, the versatile... A 20 millimeter anti-aircraft gun. One oh, light automatic cannon. You have another one in your in your anti aircraft or your in your artillery piece. It could be that is a Type eighty eight seventy five millimeter dual purpose anti aircraft gun. Ooh, that must have come out in the extra book. Uh, it's on. It's in the Army's the Imperial Japan on page twenty nine. So one hundred twenty points gets you a regular heavy anti tank gun and a light howitzer. That must be a different version because I don't have that in my book. That's what I'm. I'm looking. I'm referring to uh, the Easy Army, so wow. it might be off. But it, yeah, it gives you flak. It gives you everything. This is like a great, a great weapon. I don't it have that you, in my book. Can, I don't see that either. What the hell? Bolt it's action. Be in a different That's book. a rip probably off. an. It's probably an Empire in Flames. Okay. I'm I'm assuming as much, but yeah. And for folks that are listening, I'm only looking at the Imperial Japanese Army book because I'm we're we're actually playing through that, and I haven't got I haven't picked up any of the of the expansions for the Japanese yet. So I'm a purist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need any crutches like the rest of the Japanese players. Well, you have you actually have quite a few choices because there's a twin auto or twin anti aircraft cannon, which is is that two, two heavy auto, like, auto, two auto cannons? cannons? Yeah, those shoot. Are those two shots each now? They're, you get four shots. Auto cannons nice. are two shots each, one-inch uh, one templates. Yeah. You have four shots. So, yeah, How many you points? Have, it's a, 75. That seems pretty good, right? It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not what bad. Was, um, what was the Type 88 that you were talking about? Uh, it was the Type 88 75 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the 
heavy anti-tank and a medium howitzer. Is that what it was? Light howitzer. A light, light howitzer. howitzer. So two-inch template. How many points? Yep. For regular? 120 for regular. Comes with four men, and you can add a spotter for another Well, time. I mean, we, we really like the versatility, so... It's yeah. it's a good it's a good all around. I don't know that I'm a big fan of the light howitzer, but is it a heavy anti tank weapon or a super heavy anti tank weapon? Heavy plus six plus six. Yeah. Would you guys do that with your three suicide tank guys on the board? No, okay. I don't know if I would either. Just because that's yeah, that's a lot of points. You could something. put you could put nine veterans on the board for that cost if you weren't already having five infantry squads on the board. I think I'd rather take something that's going to do a little better against uh, infantry myself. Okay. Yeah, I would much rather take a heavy howitzer over that. Yeah, because it's still going to do decent against a tank. So the heavy howitzer is 150 points regular with five guys. You can add up to three more guys at five points each, which seems really good. Five regular guys. (laughs) I would put another another three guys. And it comes with a gun shield. And that's yep. 3D6 on those buildings that we love everybody to hang out in when we have a heavy howitzer. Yep. Better choice. I think that's a great choice. Too. Right. Well, those guys are still fanatics. Yeah. Yes, they are. Infantry. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's... Pretty it's, good. You really... Uh, well, I mean, I, well, let's go through the vehicles then. And, um, and we can talk about why infantry is the way to go. And done. <laughs> 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 there we All go. Right. That covers cool. the vehicles. Cool. Well, there so, are there are a couple good, good of things thought. in here that are uh, kind of interesting um, that I've found. I don't know if you guys have found have found anything. Let me see if I can get to the right page. Um, you guys talk for a I, little bit. Hang on. I was gonna say I feel like they have very limited great choices in for any of these stuff. Weapons wise, they're they're very middle of the road. The, the downside is is that they have such light armor. So you yeah. know, you're talking, they're heavy, they're, they're bigger tanks to say is like eight plus. Mm-hmm. And, and most of them are like a seven plus armor, but they, they've got good weapons, good turrets. Uh, a lot of them have, you know, they don't do the coaxial, but they have the forward, the, the forward and rear facing weapons, which actually lends itself to a better advantage than having a coaxial weapon does. And, you know, because they are lighter armored, they are certainly cheaper, which in the point by system of bolt action can... You know, I mean, it doesn't make them necessarily bad choices. So, if you like absolutely light tanks, then the Japanese can maybe suit you very well. Yeah, See, I, maybe I mean, sushi very well. I like sushi. Who oh, doesn't geez. like sushi? Oh my lord in heaven! <laughs> it's a really bad, bad. bad it's joke. getting really late, man. Sorry. Yeah, it's yeah, serious punchy. Bad joke All right, so yeah. the the one choice that um, that I really like. I haven't picked this up yet because Warlord doesn't produce it that I'm aware of, although I think Company B has an option. It's the Type 92 tankette. This is an early war tankette, so it's just seven, um, armor seven is all. It does have the Rucky special rule. And originally, and when I say originally when the book was released, it had a turret-mounted HMG and a forward-facing hole-mounted MNG, and at regular it was just 90 points which is a really um, solid value. But what happened was when they produced the book, it was actually reversed from the historical production of this particular tankette. The HMG was in the hole, and the MMG was in the turret. And so the FAC, um, they actually corrected that. Um, 
So <laughs> that's an important distinction. It is, but an HMG and an, and an MMG at uh, seven armor for ninety points is with not bad. Recce, good. Yeah, can be can be a little bit of fun. So if you're not yeah. big on tanks, then I think the Japanese and I'm not personally. None of the tanks I have. Well, I think the Hot Go I have is has a light, a low velocity light anti tank gun. But early on, and I've only played, I actually keep a journal of all my games. I've only played 12 games of bolt action. Um, and um, I try to just ignore the tanks and uh, because I don't have anything that can kill them. <laughs> so I'll, I'll be doing a lot of that next weekend, too. So What's wrong with you guys? What are you doing? Killing me, Smalls. We're not, um, we're not Germans. What can I say? The, um, the tiger you <laughs> tried to send to us, uh, the, the Americans freaking That's sunk stuck. it. So yeah. we never got it to produce to get the the you know the help to produce the better tanks. And Dude, a tiger in the jungle that would have been awesome. So, but for me, sadly, as a tankette, that's my favorite choice in the list. I don't know if you guys have anything else here that you really like, but I really like this captured M3 Stewart. I don't have that in my baseline book. No, I'm just looking at the. I'm just looking at Easy Army right now. <clears throat> what you need is the SSKI armored work vehicle because that's just yes. friggin' awesome. They did have an amphibious one in here. That does that one? No, it's the. Uh, that's the Kami. Um, for when you need to cross the river, I guess. Sure. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Come it's on. Not, I mean, it's not bad. How many boards do we have where this would be? Well, the Pegasus board, I guess. Might be I was going to say, I'm like, there's a river board that it might actually work out well on. <laughs> get, you, get you across that river with without getting uh, significantly destroyed. Yeah, so... Without in, getting wet. You know, for full disclosure, I'm not <laughs> right. I'm not at the same level as actually any of the other guys in regards to tank ownership. Um, I just have the light tank. At least at, the playable ones, right? The tank at the Hago and then a Chiha. But the Chiha happens to only be um, equipped with anti-infantry weapons, so it's not like I have I a lot of choices to. There's some advantage with. to the fact that you. There's probably some advantage to you not having played a lot of tanks, in the, in the sense that you know how to deal with tanks without getting hung up on them. And I think that's a that's a trap that a lot of people get in, where they might, you know, they're like, I got to I got to blow well, that Chiha. I got to blow that that tank up right away. Like I need to deal with it right away where you're just like, I just yeah. ignore it. And I, a lot of people might learn something from that. I think it's, um, I think it's a, um, it, it goes both ways. I mean, we're still pretty relative. I mean, all of us are relatively new in regards to the game and gameplay and how deep we've gotten into it. And so I think that I'm still fine in regards to my approach because we just collectively don't have a ton of experience. But when I come up against someone who does, they'll be able to identify my lack of ability to deal with, you know, their heavy armor and just run rampant over me, which is totally fine. Um, but, you know, it's it's a tricky kind of thing. So I hate to give advice to people who may be listening. Hey, you know, just ignore it. Uh, when in fact, that may not be the best approach. I don't know. I've heard I've heard other people like more veteran players kind of say you just have to ignore it sometimes it just it has come up where and keep in mind that like you know most armies and most are going to have one right yeah there are certain pieces you can't ignore but at the same time how many pieces of armor do they have like the most they're going to probably have is two 
Right, you're going to have, uh, you're gonna have an tank, so. you're going to have an armored car, and, you know, they only get to act six, time, six times throughout the game. Right, so. exactly. It can keep you off objective, though. To a degree, it's, it's recognizing threat and assessing threat. If you're running all infantry and the guy's just got a tank that's got a super heavy in a tank gun on it and an MMG, you, you can just ignore that fella for the game. Just spread your guys out and you're fine. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Or if he brought right, well, a tank killer and you don't have a tank, then rejoice yeah. because and, that's yeah. wasted points. Bank right. air in your favor. Collect one order die. Well, I like care, that. Careful ignoring <laughs> that, that super heavy as a tank because that's still a three-inch template on there. All right, yeah, so you spread out still. I'll pose a quick question to you guys then. Um, let's say that you're playing early war Japanese, so your suicide anti-tank guys are not available. And you bring just you know a bunch of infantry because you know you're paying attention to the way the army book really favors infantry. Do you feel like it is worthwhile to take tank hunters on any of these units? We haven't really talked about tank hunter on infantry units up to now. At what point does tank hunters, does it become a valid or viable choice? Individually, um, not collectively, I'm asking each one of you guys individually, looking at this, is there a point where you feel like that extra two points per model um, is worthwhile? It's a kind of a trick question a little bit, so I'm curious to see what you guys say. Go ahead, Rick. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to start this one. I could see bringing Tank Hunter on a couple units. If I'm bringing five units of Spearmen, I would probably put it on two or three, maybe. It, it really does cost a lot of points, right? It goes from 75, 75 to a, essentially 105 if you're taking a maxed out unit. Mm -hmm. It's a little expendy, but I could see bringing it on one or two units just to, to help deal with that. Okay. That, the problematic of armor. Jeff, what do you think? It really depends on what my other anti-tank options are. You know, like if I've got the suicide guys, you know, or well, a medium anti-tank. just took the su suicide guys away. But that's early, what I'm saying, right? War. It's like, so like, okay, so early war, early war. So if I only got a medium anti-tank gun, I'll take one squad with anti-tank grenades, probably. Maybe. You know what? No, no, I wouldn't. Forget about it. Forget about oh. it. I ignore the tank. Okay. Ignore the tank. What about you, Pat? I would I would do one unit for sure, just because uh, it it makes your opponent who has the tank think twice about how close they're getting to a particular unit, especially with your bonsai charge. And even even if you have a unit that doesn't have it, you can actually still charge that tank because you could ignore the the tank fear threat and still do some superficial damage to it. You know, take it out, possibly catch it on fire. Uh, I, I think one for sure because you can. You, just, you have the advantage of that charge just to take that, and it forces them to move that tank somewhere else and pay attention to where those guys are. You know what? I'm, I like that, Pat, but I'm going to disagree here, and it's only because I like to run multiples of things that look the same, and you don't want to take it on just one because it's the zebra effect. If everybody's the same, he'll lose focus a lot of times. Anybody that's not a really good player will lose focus and not concentrate their fire. But the second you say, this unit's got the anti-tank grenades, that unit becomes the focus for all the fire. Yeah, they get destroyed right away. That's right. why I want two. This, this unit is the Gurkhas. They're going to get yep. killed. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, why I, that's why I picked two, is that you have to have some redundancy for that to work. If you have one, you're right. It is very much they get picked on right away. So the tank hunter rule is a four-up. You count, 
right as opposed to a six up? Is that how that works in assault? So so long as the tank doesn't have an order dice that has runner or advance next to it, it's it's a four up, and you total up the number of hits you do, the number of successes on that, and that goes to the penetration roll. Now, if the vehicle has advanced, it has an advance order next to it. You need to six up in order to go to that penetration roll. Even if, if you're a tank run, hunter, right? Okay. Right. Any any assault on the vehicle. So if there's a run next to it, you simply cannot assault it that turn. All right. right. So even your tank That's hunter. That's for any rule, vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. If they've run, there's no way you can hit them. And even if you're a tank hunter on advance, which makes that tank hunter upgrade even more of a risky choice. Okay. So well, the, to keep in mind, if a tank runs, that means it didn't shoot. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and the tank hunter just allows you to do more than superficial damage. And you also don't have to take the tank fear test to charge a tank. Right. That's which all the tank hunter's doing. Which is totally mitigated by, by right. bonsai charge. Right, which is why I'm saying that you can do it with regular units because you don't have to take the test, but you're only going to be able to do superficial damage. But with an 18-man right. squad, you know, you know, on a fours, what are you talking, a pen nine? So you're probably going to, you know... You're going to do the, the stunned or the catch fire result, which is... Catch really fire good. will kick a unit out pretty quick, too. Right, which is going to really, you know, even your even your normal units are just going to just make that tank have a bad day if, if they're that size. I, I'm i kind of okay either way, especially like what you just said, is that you can still do some damage without it. I, I don't mind the upgrade considering how few points that the units are and how few things are actually causing you problems. Like 18 guys at two points per is 36 points. That's a pretty substantial. Well, I was investment. doing a 15. I was doing a 15 man bamboo okay, sure. spearman squad sure. instead. So 30, 30 points, points instead of yeah. So it makes that unit 105 points versus 75. To me, that seems reasonable. Like it's still a reasonable buy at that point level. I feel bad because so, the my my bug eater list. I have one unit of anti tank guys. So <laughs> he just told me I should have two. Well. Well, I mean, no, uh, if I face it's, you, I'm going to shoot them off first. Yeah, but the, their role is entirely different. So they're right. Not... It's very different. Yep. Yes, I totally agree. Um, okay, let's keep moving on. We're, we're, we're clipping almost four hours here, I think. <laughs> Three and a half hours on the timer right now. Holy cow. A lot right of that gets cut out. Well, yeah, we we can make it. <laughs> it's not going to be too It's not going to be too. No, I think episodes. we chewed up 45 minutes at the beginning before we even started. Well, and we bantered in the middle quite a bit. but well. uh, So let's keep moving. Uh, what else is there? Anti-tank guns, we didn't see anything else. Vehicles, okay, so we're getting into the tanks that don't exist. We, we kind of capitalized we on Kind of covered them. Yep. Jesus, I just like blacked out there. All right, <laughs> sorry. This is, this who's, is who's, who's eating a microphone? What the <laughs> fuck? Oh, no, I, I picked up my microphone from the desk. So. Oh, oh all right, okay. Did, did you set that down uh, no, on a pile of glass or something? The, the vehicles are unremarkable. I think we can leave it at that. I, I think we can say that most of it's a 7-up with a little bit of extra stuff, but not a lot yep. more. Well, that's not entirely fair. They do have some 8-armor some stuff. I think we've kind of bagged, or rather I've bagged on them a little bit. Um, well, tanks or tank gats or light tanks, but there are some. I mean, there are a few choices, but the, um, the Japanese are not known for their tanks. So. If, if you're looking for your best... If you're looking for your best all-around tank in this list, the Shinhoto is is probably your best bet. Is that the new one they just released too? Mm. They just released one recently. That would require me to pay attention to things. It's um, a variation of the Chiha tank. It does. It's still eight plus, but you know it has. It's got a medium anti-tank gun. A medium anti-tank gun. 
and a rear-facing MMG on the turrets. It's interesting. They, there does seem to be a lot of rear-facing action in their turrets themselves. So that's, you know. And again, you know, because they are lightly armored, they are cheaper tanks, so you're not paying 300 or 300 yeah. points for these tanks. So. Yeah, and your and your important. your big baddie is the is the was the Type Three Chinu, which is your medium tank. That's finally a medium armored tank with a medium anti tank gun on it. So, thumbs up. There you go. Which yeah. is one ninety totally. regular. So, which is kind of ridiculous, frankly. That seems very expensive. Yeah, nine armor, which I wouldn't even know what to do with. To be perfectly honest. So. Well, I'll be honest with you. That's kind of a it's a hard position because that's the same as the most common tanks in the game are nine armor but you know once you start seeing guys with the heavy and super heavy anti-tank guns they're going to still punch through you like paper so right and again it goes back to the special rules for this particular army it really feels like if you're not taking infantry then you're not getting as much out of the list as you could if you had so you're losing out in three points per model yeah but one of the reasons i like the brits uh, the Brit Army list so much was because you it because of the national characteristic you could go in a lot of different directions with that with this one and this is personally for me I really feel obligated to take as much infantry as I possibly can um, and that could just be a failing on my part but you know that's just where I'm at with this it's it's kind of the trap of of what the rules are giving you right so yeah. The it's, rules it's naturally totally lend reasonable. yourself to infantry. Yep. So play to your strengths. The beauty right. of this list, though, is that you can still cap out. You can max out on a lot of dudes, and you still have room for some of this other stuff. And like you said, their tanks, their tanks aren't super special, but they're also not that expensive. Right, which so you can still max stuff out. You can go and have some fun with your vehicles, and if they get blown off, it's not like a big, huge loss or anything. So. Yep. Yep. And it's a big deal when your Hago runs right by that Matilda off the board and. Scores you a draw. <laughs> yep, exactly. Because the Matilda was having tea time or something. I don't know. Was, you failed that having, order check twice. It was having personal internal issues. Talk, <laughs> talking stuff through with a therapist. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting. I've played. Let, let me go back through my journal. I've played twelve times, bolt action total, twelve times, and I've won one, two, three, four. Uh, five, six, seven, eight times. So, and I don't really know what I'm doing. So, you know, and I've drawn <laughs> like twice and lost twice. So, not bad. Yeah, I, that's to say that you've never played a war game before. You've you're quite the veteran of war games. Yeah, fair enough. I think you've yeah fair enough. So that's but, to under undersell the fact that you are a fairly competent person when it comes to war gaming. So yeah, I do think that this particular list, uh, the Japanese army selector, or the the armies of um, whatever Pat called them officially, um, if you Imperial Japan, thank you. If you if you build your list to take advantage of the special rules, you do really do position yourself to be successful in a, a majority of the scenarios that you'll put forth. And that's really a bland, boring, gamey way to call it. Unfortunately, because I don't have a personal connection to the Japanese army, that's kind of how I've approached this particular list. So, you know, that's just how it goes. Yeah, I can see right. that. They never excited me, so. 
that's personal. If, so I, if I collected and played them, I would play them all wrong. So you know, there you go. I can, I can see the historical, and that does never never get you anywhere. Is that what you're saying? Basically, yeah. Until he yeah. won that first game, and then he'd be like, "Screw fluffy bunnies, they're the worst." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I got I got my fluffy bunny going. Said heading to the shredder next weekend. So <laughs> yeah, it should be fantastic. We're not going to turn into yep. a bunch of gamey jerks, are we? That's not us. Uh, weren't we no. there when we started this thing? Yeah, right. I, no. thought, I thought we were just salty. You, you, you take France and the Allies, the book, and you make me a, a gamey neckbeard list out of it that's going to be a kill everything I, you see, and I will be very impressed. <laughs> I give up. Can the French take Gurkhas? <laughs> no. Oh, well, uh, I got nothing for you. Play, play the British, then. That's my, that's my answer. Uh, yeah, I think we've, I think we've done everything Japanese that we can here. Yep. I don't think we have anything yeah. else. It's a smaller so. book, yeah, it's and a, somehow it's we're coming up against a, it's a very late night. Yes, it is coming. It's, it is late. So maybe we'll have this out before, hopefully before Bug Eater. I'm, I can't make any promises. I just I don't think I don't have time to listen taking to it while. before Bug Eater. We're listening to well, it on the way down, you wankers. There you Come go. On. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to listen to it on the way down. And we can all chuckle in the car, not that we all listen to ourselves on the radio, because that's kind of weird. We totally do. I mean, I totally do all the time. Because this is played on the radio. Well, it plays... (laughs) Hey, on the radio? Is this going backwards? Because I I play it through my Bluetooth and the radio in the car. Oh, God, help I actually do. (laughs) Pat's like, I'm ready to go to bed, buddy. (laughs) So hopefully we'll see some of you guys at Bug Eater. That would be awesome. We would be a blast to see some of you guys and say hi. Come say we'll hi. Be the ones wearing we'll, the snafu shirts. Yeah, we'll all be dressed the same. Maybe pretty easy to pick us out. Questions, comments, praises you can direct to me. You got any criticisms? Please direct them to Rick. <laughs> sure, that sounds great. You can come and bitch at me all day long. That's fine. If you feel it's what we all the rest of us do. <laughs> I, just, I just ignore it. I just tend to and then apologize tune it out. for it later. I'll, I'll say sorry that I called you an asshole. So. It helps if your Facebook profile is a very attractive woman, I found out. Wait, what? If uh, I'm complaining to you, you tend to um, respond in the most more favorable way if, if my profile picture is of an attractive woman. Uh, all right. I guess so. It's I a, down with that. Right, effect. It's a biological thing. This is something thing. that Dale's testing. Oh, all right. Okay. This isn't actually this is just a male thing, not a Rick thing, being a pervert. You made me sound like a pervert there. No, different, no. Different, uh, different podcasts. Different that might podcasts. be true, but that's not what I was going for. Oh, all right. Gotcha. All right. So anyway, we will be leaving on Friday. We'll see you down there. Feel free to come up and talk to us. We are personable. Uh, other than Pat, uh, <laughs> we like to say hi to people. <laughs> what was that about? Oh, yeah. man. It's, it's me. It's, I had to call someone else out because I was getting ragged on. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pat is really Pat is really great. No, I know where I am. Don't, don't worry about I know that. where I am. I know where I am mm-hmm. on the totem pole. There's Rick, and then there's Pat. So I'm in the upper half. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, I asked Jeff to lead us out, but that seemed to go nowhere last time. So Dale, do you want to lead us out this oh, time? Oh, it's Snafu over and out, baby. All right. We'll see you soon. Later, guys. Good night.
Thank you.